the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Tom Noonan, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, The Car, starring James Brolin, Kathleen Lloyd, and John Marley. Welcome to another high-octane episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. And I'm Cold Trickle Zach. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking like NASCAR. NASCAR, <laughs> come on. What are you thinking of Days of Thunder? Yeah, I was all juiced on this because of uh, th- this movie was like, ooh, I want to see fast cars. Right? This this movie fast cars did put me winded. in the mood for like vroom vroom action, you know? <laughs> Some vroom vroom action is Days of Thunder, baby. I love uh, that movie. We I think we talked about that on either the last one, uh, wrap up after dark or the one prior, but you and I both love Days of Thunder. And I think I brought up the fact that like, it's so weird how big that movie was at the time, but like no one remembers it now. Yeah. Not unlike the car. No, no, this is, oh my God, I cannot <laughs> wait. I'm chomping at the accelerated bit to hit all four cylinders. Wait, six cylinders, eight cylinders. I don't know. 20 cylinders. That car yeah. sounded like it was a beast. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Oh, no. Is that our new our new shirt for this one? It's just a vroom, no. vroom. No, that's already been cap- f- copyrighted, I think, right? By Mitsubishi or something? I think so. I, ours will be... <laughs> I was going to start this episode with uh, welcome to another... <laughs> like, but I can't do it as well. That like fire horn sort of sound. Um, <laughs> real quick, uh, here's a little uh, side note. Apparently, the horn that the car makes is the sound of an X in uh, Morse code. So, does that make sense to you? So, like, you know, in Morse code, every no. uh, everything has like a, a sound to it or something um, yes. or a pitch. I-, I just saw this in IMDb, but the horn is the sound of X in Morse code or something. I'm like, okay, that's crazy. But, um, Zach, cool. the car, buddy boy, this is my pick. So let's talk about your uh, involvement or connection to this movie before we talk about mine. Ooh, doggy. Well, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, uh, I believe, even though I did own the Anchor Bay version that came out years ago and never watched it surprisingly enough we are exactly the same in that regard um i try not (laughs) to do it it. yeah i try not to do it anymore like buy movies that i don't watch although i have a lot of them that i I haven't watched but um yeah buddy same as you i bought that clamshell vhs tape that anchor bay put out back in the day of of the car because i fucking love this movie and uh yeah never watched it so so you same same as you even though i owned it it's been just as long since i've seen it Yep, it's 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 been forever. Uh, it was a staple of Saturday, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon thriller TV on KB. What was it? No, TV twenty in Detroit. And then um, I'm sure I catched it a few times as a kid when I moved to the Bay Area. Yeah, dude, like a PG horror film, pretty nasty PG horror film at that. Uh, I, I I I loved it then. I love it now. 
Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> so while while you were talking, I was listening, but I did look up on IMDb, and you know the so to to make a correction to the horn, um, in Morse code you do like tap tap line or something like that. You, every letter has something, and if you listen to the car, he goes bam 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 like he does. It's not just one horn; it's like pop pop and then goes, and that yeah. is the Morse code for X. So yeah. Anyways, um, X. so. You mentioned that this movie is PG, and it is. So first off, this is our first PG movie that we're going to be doing, uh, not our last. Zach has one that he uh, he's sending my way. And, you know, obviously we started this podcast talking about the movies that we weren't allowed to watch as kids, or then it kind of evolved to the movies that, like, we did watch, but, like, you know, our parents probably wouldn't have been thrilled about us watching. And, you know, I mean, we're pretty much ticking off all those movies as we're moving along, so we do have to kind of expand outward. And uh, I think now we're just kind of landing on Podcast After Dark just being a cult movie podcast, you know, just straight up cult movies. But still from our youth, our nostalgia-based Definitely. I think this movie this movie gets factored into the category of, ah, I don't think you should be watching this. It's a little too terrifying. Jaws was one of those movies for yeah. sure. If my parents didn't shy me away from it, I think I might have shied myself away from it because I was so freaked out by it. That Jaws made me afraid to even go in the pool. I don't think this movie necessarily made me afraid to ride my bike on the streets, but uh, maybe if I was a little bit older, it might. But even though it's rated PG as a horror movie, I do not feel like it's lacking anything. Like, I don't feel like I want to see a gorier version. No part of this movie feels PG to me, to be completely honest with you, from from the themes that it plays with that we'll obviously get into. And I'm not just talking about, like, a killer car. I mean, there's all kinds of other, like, topics that they're dealing with here. Some, like, pretty heavy shit, you know? And, uh, yeah, so I, I never felt like... It doesn't feel like a PG movie, to be honest with you. Um, but at the same time, I am glad you mentioned Jaws because I was watching the documentary on this. They, they were talking to the director. It's pretty short. It's only like 11 minutes. But he does talk about how this was kind of like, you know, how like when you make movies, there's kind of like two ways to do it. The studio either has the idea and, and basically uh, has someone do it, you know, like commission someone to make it or, you know, hires them or whatever, or, you know, someone creates a script and submits it and it kind of goes through that way. This is, was the former, the studio wanted jaws on land. That's what this movie is. It's jaws <laughs> with a car. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a land shark. And you know, the, the director was like, okay, but how you guys understand that like, not just, being on water and everything whatever but like you don't see the creature it's it's dark this and that this is like in the desert it's bright day like how do i do that but i think he actually got close to accomplishing that i but even before watching that that little clip um i felt like the movie felt like jaws so you know and we'll, we'll talk about it as we go along and and see if you know we end with that uh theory or that idea or that feeling however you want to take it um, but circling back around, my experience with the car, as a kid, this is a movie that Luke taped off a TV, so he had it in his, you know, kind of small collection of VHS tapes, you know, on the shelf, so we would just pop it in whenever we felt like it, and I always, always loved it. It always kind of, like, sparked my imagination in, in more ways than, like, Christine ever did, and of course, we're gonna have to make 
those comparisons between Christine and uh, the car because they're both killer car movies. And there are very few sentient killer car movies out there to compare to one another. So, yeah, I mean, maximum overdrive, you know, that's, and which is another one that's going to be on this list and uh, on, on our to do, like we will get to maximum overdrive because to be honest with you, I liked the car and maximum overdrive more than Christine. Now, as I'm getting older and you and I, I watched Christine, <laughs> I, I, I figured you were going to go that route because I know how much you love John Carpenter. But I will say this. As I'm older, I will concede that it's apples and oranges. Uh, Christine and the car totally are different. very yeah. different movies, you know. And, and I do yeah. love Christine. I just always as a kid liked the car a little bit more. Yeah, Christine Christine is a possession film. The car is more accessible on a, uh, I think, on a broader scale, probably because of the fact that it's PG and it, it appeals more to a wider range. Christine is much more focused on one particular specific person versus the car just being a killing machine. Right. And with a little bit of focus too, though. Yeah. And, you know, and of course there is that connection to the car with Christine, which makes, you know, it allows you to connect with the antagonist a little bit more. Although it is one of those weird yeah. movies where the, the protagonist is also the antagonist, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Those are always kind of weird. I think as a kid, those were always kind of weird for me to sort of wrap my head around. Like when, when you're supposed to be following the, the main characters, also kind of the person losing their mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, like the shining, Yeah, bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, yeah, the, this, this, this is more straightforward. This mm -hmm. is like a, to me, this is like kind of a straight up kind of action horror film, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in a way. And, and they could easily remake this today and remake it well mm -hmm. i think it could be done really well i'm surprised it actually hasn't been remade because the premise is so basic but it's still gripping as shit i mean like i was i was still edge of my seat a few moments few scenes in the movie specifically where i was like oh man what whoa 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 I forgot what happens next. Oh, I do remember what happens. Like, oh, this is going to be bad. This is be really bad. <laughs> there's there's going to be a car come flying through a house. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's Poor Lauren. I know. Oh, God, I can't wait to talk about that. Um, but real quick, one high-level like thought that I do not want to miss by the end of this, um, and, and I'll talk about it more as we go along. One thing that I find very interesting about this movie is that there is no character arc for anybody it's it's not a character movie you know you, you usually typically you watch a movie to see your main characters go through the hero's journey you know uh come out on the other side you know changed you know for a good way and everything um it's it's like a path that they go down here i i found this movie because you know i just watched it twice in like two days and i find it yeah. interesting that like no one like sort of like there's no point to this movie and, and i don't mean that in a bad way it's just this car comes to town wreaks havoc and they got to deal with it and that's it you know and then at the end they have to pick up the pieces it's not like you know it's not like brody you know in jaws like you know overcoming maybe his fear of water you know stuff like that here josh brolin uh james brolin sorry um you know it's just like his life gets destroyed he fights back but that's it. Like, his character doesn't change. He just, they just try to survive a situation. That's so different, you know? Yeah, I was going to say that's the, the only, in my opinion, the only shortcoming of this film is that the loose ends don't get tied up at the end with every single character. If you really think about it, like, 
the the one character is a wife beater doesn't mm-hmm. get resolved one character is an alcoholic doesn't get resolved like all these unresolved issues at the end and yeah they just leave it like okay shit next that's my point that's actually what i love about the movie because the movie starts when the car comes into play and the movie stops when the car blows up so there's nothing more or less to it than that you only see when the car is in their lives and afterwards you you don't know like how they're going to pick up the pieces like is ronnie is luke uh ronnie cox's character luke going to be an alcoholic for the rest of his life this probably shattered him probably you know but i liked that that's actually like what the point i'm trying to make is i thought that was cool i i like the fact that no one asked for this and we don't know in the end how everyone, you know, 20 years later uh, survives it. You know what I mean? Like, I almost feel like I truly want not a remake, but like a sequel, like a real time sequel where like, you know, James Brolin is, is real life that age and everything and how he dealt with it. And then the car comes back. True. That, that's what I would want to say. I, I think that would be the a big saving grace for this film to have a sequel. Yeah. It makes sense the continuation of the story yeah um maybe they didn't because it didn't do well at the box office and wasn't you know uber successful and if and because it was a studio picture that's probably why if it was an indie thing uh like avco embassy at the time you would have seen a sequel to this but otherwise you know because it was a studio funded kind of thing and we're like we want to build upon this franchise and it didn't and they're like nah fuck it and we've heard a million stories of studios you know taking a dump on movies just because they just want to cut their losses and you're like wait that's a really great idea though like let's make another phantasm you know let's keep going let's make another uh you know whatever like another sequel to whatever you know give me anything um the gate but uh well actually they did do a sequel to the gate (laughs) they did very good it was actually very (laughs) shitty um and then universal did do a sequel to phantasm Two, they did Phantasm three, and that didn't go very well. And the rest is unfortunate history. Um, but yeah, they should have done a sequel to this. They should have, and it's too bad that they didn't because I would have liked to see a continuation of, you know, what happens to Chaz? What happens right. to Chaz? Come on! <laughs> but and especially since the credits, uh, you know, are over top of like a, a car driving through a city. It's it's kind of like on the tire, you know. So it almost kind of like leaves it open that that there's still it's still out there. The car's still out there, or you could just yeah. you could take take the same car and just put it into a different environment with different people and just have, you know, the car be sort of the central thing to the franchise, you know? Um, yeah, they easily could have done that, but, and I'm sure they had, they had plans. They probably had, you know, hot wheels on, on tap to make a, a car <laughs> car. And, uh, just, you know, shit, if, if they could make mega force cars back in the day from hot wheels, they should have made a car car. Yeah, seriously. And a car car. Let's car car. What? Hey, would you like a car car? Uh, but before we jump into the director and all that kind of stuff, let's just establish the character of the car. And just so you all know, it is a 1971 Lincoln Continental Mark III Black Coupe. Now, I don't have access to the, the original image of that, but I believe that this car is heavily modified version, at least the um, the roof has been dropped, you know, um, I, but I believe there's been other uh, accoutrements have been, you know, put on the front and everything. But uh, I think also, too, what made me really love this movie as a kid over Christine is I think the car is fucking 
badass looking. It's badass, and I, and I think you're going to appreciate what I'm about to tell you. It's an exclusive, at least, to mm. what I... Because I just saw it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently, last year, a movie came out called The Car Road to Revenge, oh. which is actually a sequel to this film, <laughs> and it has the return of Ronnie Cox. Oh, no shit! Who, yeah, it's called The Car Road to Revenge, and I won't bore you with the with the details, but I will say that Ronnie Cox is in it. Uh, he plays a character named Waits. I don't know if he, but it says it's the unconventional sequel, or the the stylized sequel to the unconventional horror cult classic, The Car. I I see it right here. Um, I'm definitely is, gonna have to try to find it because yeah, it looks it, it looks yeah. terrible. <laughs> it looks terrible. It looks like a what is that like a Bentley or a, I don't even know what kind of car that's it is, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so there you go. It got four stars on IMDb. Not that that means anything, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, that, so there you go. I think that's kind of cool. It's worth checking out, worth exploring. Yeah. Yeah. And now looking at that car does not look nearly as cool as the original one, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, the car is the star of this movie, I'd say, or at least the, the, the reason to see it. So, um, yes, it's definitely, it's gotta be the star just like, the shark was the star of Jaws. Yep, yep. And just so you all know, too, the the gentleman that worked on the 1966 Batmobile is also the gentleman that worked on this car, that, that designed the car. So Cool. Zach, should we jump into the director, et cetera, et cetera? My, yes, absolutely, certainly. <laughs> Elliot Silverstein. He actually has directed quite a few big movies. Capaloo, Jane Fonda, Lee Marvin, nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah. Uh, Man Called Horse, which is a great Western, which stars Richard Harris. If you haven't seen that one, it's really good. Some episodes of Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, Flash Fire. <laughs> Betrayed by Innocence, 1986, with your boy Barry Bostwick. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's one of those late-night Skinamax movies. Uh, Flash <laughs> Fire with, with uh, Billy Zane and Lou Gossett Jr. I actually seen that movie. It's trash, but uh, you <laughs> it know. looks like it. I remember seeing the the box art for that, the VHS oh, God, box the 90s. art. Oh, the, the VHS nineties movies. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but but Dennis uh, Shryak uh, wrote the screenplay. He's also the writer of Pale Rider, one of my favorite westerns of all time. Turner and Hooch, well, I, not my favorite dog cop movie. Canine's my favorite dog cop movie. <laughs> I saw Turner and Hooch in the theater. I did not so love did I. it. I did not love it it's, at all. It's not as it's not canine, dude. It's nope. not canine with James Belushi. I know, dude. I love that. Uh, Pale Rider, like you said, you wrote that. I too love Pale Rider. Although I, I think Unforgiven's probably my favorite, but uh, that one is a close, close second. Oh, you know what? I apologize. I'm thinking of High Plains Drifter. I really liked High Plains Drifter. I oh, need yeah. to. I actually need to rewatch Pale Rider. I haven't seen that since I was a wee lad. Pale Rider's great. It's probably my favorite um, Clint Eastwood Western, my all-time Western being Once Upon a Time in the West. But, mm, uh, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, and the, and the other writer, Michael Butler, wrote, um, well, he was he co-wrote The Gauntlet with uh, with Dennis Shryak. Shryak. Um, <laughs> come on, Shryak. He did a movie called White Mile, which is actually, it was an HBO movie. Uh, kind of a cool adventure film set amongst whitewater raft racing oh, okay. um decent decent action flick but yeah they wrote the screenplay that, i mean there's quite a few uh then lane slate i don't know lane slate was not that big of a name 
Um, but then, do you want to get into the cast? Yeah, of course. The the, the I mean, all star cast. All star cast. T to B. James Brolin is the lead actor. Mm. Don't tell me. Oh, is that is that Josh Brolin's dad? So let's <laughs> let's let's. Uh, it's a shout out to our uh, our our Coco our Coco Stone friends. What, what uh, our oh. High Spoon friends? Oh, oh no. Yeah, yeah. No, Cam Sully. Cam Sully. Cam yeah, Sully, Cam so. Sully. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's that's. Yeah, no. James Brolin is is yes he is Josh Brolin's dad. Um, but I mean he's James Brolin. Like James Brolin was is a legend. Yeah, he is. I I mean I obviously we all know him from like Amityville, you know stuff like that, but. Watching him West in World Capricorn yeah. One. I mean, Capricorn a, One is badass. Have you seen Capricorn One? Oh yeah, of course, of course. I mean, he's oh, like so a good. staple of the '70s, you know. Yeah. And but watching this, I was like, "Fuck!" I forgot how good looking he was, you know. Like, cause I still like right now in my head, I have the the white haired older James Brolin in my head, and I'm like, "Oh damn, man, he was a fucking he was a a, a he was a specimen back in the day." <laughs> yeah, dude. He he was that rugged. You know, he's part of that. Um, Chris Christopherson group of good looking rugged dudes yeah. with sweet mustaches and facial hair. Uh, yeah. Amityville. He was over the top crazy in this seat. Yeah. He, he plays Wade parent. It's funny. His last name's parent, but, uh, I know. You know. I was like, I always thought that was kind of weird when I saw that. And they only call him uh, once by Mr. Parent. And I was like, huh. Yeah. Well, I was like, I feel like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like his name, Wade, like the last name parent was just, their placeholder last name when they were writing the script and then they forgot to change it you know yeah exactly (laughs) let's keep it there's somebody named wade parent gotta Um, be (laughs) come on gotta be uh his girlfriend in the film is played by uh lauren it's played by kathleen lloyd not a really big resume of work um you know tv a lot of a lot of tv yeah and i i I only know her from this but Boy, is she like a real, she's real fun to watch in this movie. I I liked what she brought, uh, like energy wise and everything. I really enjoyed uh, her here. I wish I'd seen more of her. Me too, man. I think she's, uh, she, she, she turned in a fine performance Mm -hmm. for the cemetery scene was probably her tour de force (laughs) moment in the film for sure. Um, John Marley plays Everett, who's. He's the chief, right? Yeah. He's the chief at the yeah. time, yeah. And, the sh- um, yeah, the, the main sheriff. Sheriff, yep. And character actor, he's been in a ton of things. The Godfather, uh, old school movie like called Love Story. Faces, which is a John Frankenheimer film, which is very... Oh, sorry, John Cassavetti's film. Uh, classy, art- artsy film. Just all around decent character actor. And, it's cool that he got moments in this. Really cool moments. And yeah, and he was great in this. Great in this. Um, R.G. Armstrong, <laughs> dude. Amos. Amos. Uh, yeah, t- t- come on, dude. I will Famous always, Amos. always know him as General Phillips from Predator. Always. Probably, in my opinion, one of his best roles, because mm-hmm. um, he so typically plays a dick, and and like not a good dick, like yeah. an asshole. Uh, he was in Dick Tracy, Children on the Corn, and normally plays like just you know someone you don't really like. I liked him in Predator. He was good in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. small role, but he was still good in it. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> and rounding out the the top names um, is Ronnie Cox, who plays Luke. 
and if you don't know who Ronnie Cox is, then you're you're not you're not a podcasting after dark fan. Come on, <laughs> fucking Cohagen, man. <laughs> so when when I will say Ronnie Cox was coming off the heels, it, it came out a few years prior to this, but off the heels of Deliverance, okay, um, where he, he kind of played a similar like, you know, come on guys, we get we let's do the thing, you're like very dramatic, oh, like the world's got to end on us right now. He was the guy in Deliverance who obviously didn't make it down the river, um, and and just it gave off elemental vibes of that. I love Ronnie Cox. I think he's amazing. It just reminded me a little bit of his character in Deliverance, uh, which is one of my all-time favorite films. I've seen Ronnie Cox and other stuff, obviously Deliverance, yada, 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 the car, obviously as a kid. Um, but still, Ronnie Cox in my head, he's always fucking Cohagen from, from Total Recall. He's always Dick Jones from, from RoboCop. So to see him... Beverly Hills Cop. Yep, Beverly Hills Cop. Um, to see him in this turn in such an emotional performance, I thought it was just amazing absolutely amazing how well he conveyed just how destroyed he was emotionally during this film and i just thought it was was like i said amazing uh, but yes like you know probably obviously if i'd seen just uh, deliverance going right into this i'd be like okay that's very atypical ronnie cox but like i said Cohagen, like the bad guy, the older bad guy Ronnie Cox is the Ronnie Cox I know. So to see him be this vulnerable in in this film was was very, I don't want to say enjoyable because I don't want to say a, a character's pain brings me joy, but I just thought he did a great fucking job here. Well, if if you look, you made a you made a really interesting point because if you look at Total Recall, RoboCop. And Beverly Hills Cop, while he's not a bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop, he's still this in-charge leader, uh, and he's, that's what he played later on in his career, kind of you know, the stationary role of, like, the, the guy in charge, mm-hmm. you know, making all the decisions, good or bad. And back in the day, he kind of played this the foppish, like, uh, you know, not I don't want to call him weak by any means, but just, like, yeah, destroyed, emotionally distraught person. Because he is emotionally distraught in Deliverance too. Yeah, it's is interesting. It's cool. It's a cool evolutionary evolution of his um, of his acting career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I I did want to I did want to point out uh, two more actors who quite possibly are the most notable in this film. I, and I, I think I know who you're know talking who about. They are. Um, and and I I had forgotten because one of them had a birthday not that long ago, and I gave him a shout out, and I was like, oh, she was in this and she was in that. Um, I want to point out Wade's daughters. Lynn and Debbie, played by Kim and Kyle Richards. Kylie. Sorry, Kylie. <laughs> Kylie? That's how you say her name? I think it's Kylie Richards, Kylie? yeah. Oh, because she's a... Okay, I'm just going to call her Kyle. <laughs> I think it sounds funny. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, the the Richards sisters from the Beverly Hills Housewives show. Yep. Oh, man. But, but let's be honest. Uh, Kim Richards, we love her from Tough Turf. And yep. if you don't know how much we love her, go back and listen to that episode because it's really damn good. But she was also in Assault on Precinct 13 and all the Escape from Witch Mountain, yada, yada, yada. I forgot she was in the car. And yeah. uh, very small, very small roles. They only have, you know, a few handful of scenes. Uh, but, man, they, do they chew it up? Yeah, I 
again, with you, I forgot they were in this too, or I should probably say I never even knew they were in this. Um, and then I was watching it, you know, I was like, why do they look familiar? And I looked up on IMDb, and I was like, holy shit, yeah, okay. And of course, Kylie uh, Richards was in Halloween. She was uh, one, Lindsay, oh. the, the, the daughter, or the little girl that, what's her name, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, you know, babysits. So she was in yes. that. Yeah. But yeah, okay. dude, uh, Kim Richards, man, uh, you know, dude, I freaking, we both loved her in tough turf. She was just absolutely breathtaking in that movie. And, uh, yeah, uh, real housewives, Beverly Hills. <laughs> That's where they are now. Oh man. It's a bummer. Cause they, I think they, they, they should be remembered for their, their, uh, their decent films. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I agree. I, I agree too. So, all right, buddy. Vroom, vroom. Are you ready to get into this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. X. Evil has visited the Earth in many forms. Now it returns as the car. There was no driver in the car. A car possessed. I know why he didn't go into the cemetery. The ground was hallowed. buddy the car 1977 the movie opens with a title card saying oh great brothers of the night who rideth out upon the hot winds of hell who dwelleth in the devil's lair move and appear anton Levey. and uh, of course he oh, wrote the satanic bible thing or whatever that he was he was big back in the 70s with the whole satanic bible stuff but you guys can uh you guys can look up Anton LaVey on your own. The car. We saw a nice little, uh, nice title card. Better than, better than split second. Uh, n- not only that, but badass, uh, as, as you all know, both of us are this way, but I'm a sucker for neon fonts mm-hmm. and aqua blue is one of my favorite colors of all the times. And so it's got this aqua blue 
in a really long title sequence in the the beginning. This movie moves at a very slow pace and probably just to fill time. On one hand, I love it because it's I'm, I I appreciate that. I sometimes think movies move way too fast, um, but I love the pacing of this film, especially with the opening credits mm-hmm. and and that that ominous tone of the desert yeah so so the opening credits uh basically they start like kind of go from dark to light and it's like nighttime it's a static shot on the desert and by the way this whole entire movie is pretty much filmed in utah uh monument valley and stuff like that so it's like a static shot on the desert credits are coming up as it's kind of slowly becoming daylight really cool just sitting there beautiful and then once the credits are over you start seeing the car driving down this like dirt road you know very cool like very like you said ominous very like it's just slow it's just sitting there and this movie i I think it does set the tone for how this movie is there are a lot of shots where like you kind of don't realize that the car is in the shot until like you know a couple seconds later when when it comes barreling down but it it was actually there the whole time and i think this opening establishing shot with the credits kind of sets the tone for the movie oh no doubt it's so great yeah so it great. is cool yeah it's funny you say that it was filmed all in utah because at one point when the uh the the trumpet the bugle boy is in sitting in front of the sign or whatever i think it it's not it doesn't say Solvang, it, it, Santa it, Inez. Yeah, Santa Inez, Inez, yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, wait, that's California, but this is clearly not California." Yeah. Yeah, so the whole thing, yes, was filmed in Utah, but I don't know if they ever say like what state I guess it's supposed to be. Um I didn't quite look at the license plates or anything and, and the car doesn't have one so no but, but yeah it but it's beautifully uh, the scenery is very beautiful in this movie especially uh this opening scene not the credits but the opening scene where we cut to uh two teenage bikers bicyclists i should say um they're kind of like riding down through a mountain pass uh on a freeway through a tunnel and everything you see some really beautiful like valley images of uh, vistas of utah and everything as they're going through it um very beautifully shot but these uh you know two two characters they're young they're like teenagers you know like probably like 18 or 19 and they're, they're riding their bike and um as they're they're kind of talking and stuff and a little character development but as they're riding down through the the canyon and everything we see the car starts following them and at first the director does use quite a bit of like pov shots and everything but i gotta give him credit he does not stick with pov shots he shows off the car um once you kind of get to a point where you see the car he shows it off no problem after that but here establishing more like looking through the windshield never seeing a hand on the on the driver wheel or anything like that but looking through the windshield and kind of creeping up on these kids that are riding through uh riding their bikes and everything they don't mess around from the get-go it's it's the opening shot of jaws like we're, yep. we can keep going back and forth with jaws yeah it's the opening shot of jaws with the with the girl swimming and gets taken out yep. and this is pretty brutal Yes, actually, this is actually pretty fucking brutal. Um, not gory, but when you think about no. what happens, it is brutal. So, the the so the guy, the male, is is in front of her, the female. She's behind him. They're riding their bikes. They're going pretty fast, you know. But the car. Yeah creeps right up behind the girl and just like you know she's looking back she's screaming it's like right on her you know like right on her tail starts pulling up next to her and this shit was crazy so she's kind of like on her right hand side is a 
like a brick or more like a stone, uh, stone and concrete divider thing so you don't fall off the cliff, right? Like a rail guard. And the car pulls up next to her, like her bare legs and everything, you know, right next to the concrete wall. Pull like yeah. he's like right next to her and just kind of like grinds her into the fucking wall. And then she kind of shoots off into the canyon below. And you see like this red streak on the 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 concrete the the brick wall or whatever is the rock wall i was like holy shit that was pretty brutal dude for a pg movie yeah it's like the cheese grater scene in maximum overdrive when mm. the when the biker slides down the uh the reverse of this of the uh, br- uh the folding bridge mm-hmm. and gets you know his legs all sawed off yeah she gets she gets her legs turned into hamburger meat so even if she would have survived she would have had the worst looking legs on the planet. <laughs> she wouldn't be walking right for a while, dude. But she did that's not survive. He, <laughs> that's yeah, what that's, <laughs> I know, sorry. right? I didn't leave it open for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I shouldn't have even said it. Oh my god, so sexist. <laughs> tequila. So, tequila. <laughs> 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 oh, by the way, you so you're drinking tequila tonight. I am drinking a nitro. Uh, uh, it's 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 called the uh, the nitro abides, and it's like a white Russian, but in a nitro form. Ooh. So it's like a white stout nitro with uh, coffee and uh, hints of of uh, vanilla to it. Oh, I gotta try that. Yeah, I'm drinking uh, cut water grapefruit tequila paloma. Ooh, if oh. you want something tasty, go for cut water. <laughs> Hey, Cutwater, sponsor us, by the way. <laughs> Come on. You're from San Diego, yo. Like Cutwater? Come on. Come Anyways, on, Cutwater. Come, right. Come on. Come on. Um, so, so the, of course, the boyfriend <laughs> or whatever sees what happens, and but he's like pedaling like a madman, and the car catches up to him and shoots him off, like knocks him off over a big-ass bridge. Now, I will say there was a bad little edit where – it kind of goes to hit him, and then you can tell that the stunt person was kind of already on the guardrail, ready to jump, and kind of jumps off yeah. the guardrail. It I was bad. <laughs> I know, I know, but it didn't. It didn't take me out of the movie. And to be truthful, for a low-budget PG horror movie, there's this is one of the few kind of wonky effects that are in it. It's actually pretty well made it's, it's a shame that this is kind of early in the movie and it kind of sets the tone but there isn't actually a lot of this shit moving forward that i saw at least no no it, it's not even that big of a deal it's more just yeah. like yeah chalk it up with being a 70s movie yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's like an earthquake when a brick falls on a guy's head and it bounces right off you're like nah, eh, whatever it's earthquake I was watching Rogue One the other night, and there's one scene in the middle of the movie where there's an explosion, a bunch of, like, um, uh, K2SO throws a grenade, and a bunch of stormtroopers fly through the air. And always, the middle stormtrooper, right in the middle, like, you can tell that one of the foam bricks, like, falls on his back. And it wasn't meant to, you know, because when it lands, it lands with, like, no weight to it whatsoever, yeah. you know? <laughs> I hate that shit. It's okay. I hate I hate that too, but you know what are you gonna what do? You gotta do? Exactly. <laughs> oh man! All right, so we cut to James Brolin in bed. Um, is that this is Wade Parent? Uh, hence two fourth, I will be referring to him as Wade. Um, he is being woken up playfully by Lauren. She's kind of like biting his hair. It's, it's funny. It's cute. Um, they have a nice little playful banter conversation. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot. Honestly, their their chemistry is great. 
great. I, I think it really comes off well. Um, and their little their connection's a lot of fun. But uh, we find out that Wade has two young girls and that they haven't met or they know Lauren because she's what well, we'll find out later. She's a teacher at the school, but he hasn't really introduced uh, them to her yet, like saying that they're dating, even though we see uh, Kim and Kylie Richards kind of like awake and listening in on, you know, their dad's door. So, you know, they know, they know that Lauren is there, but you know, she's making kind of like a, a big to do about not meeting the kids. Of course, like, of course she is. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. You don't really know exactly. It's there's only one moment in the movie that's kind of hinted upon his, the mom, where the mom yeah. could be. Um, and it's 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 definitely an awkward scene that sets up the tone of of like a little bit of mistrust going on. But, you know, it it, it feels very real. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it speaks to your this idea of like all these plot points being written and not really resolved. We don't you know know exactly why it would have been nice to have found out why he didn't want to tell his kids about her just yet. You mm-hmm. know, um, like what's the deal with his with his ex or his current wife or yep. whatever, you know. Well, let's find out about that. I I, I want to know more. I want to know more. <laughs> don't, don't hold don't hold it back on me. Come on, Wade. And I totally respect that. I and I get where you're coming from, but for some reason here, I love not knowing. Like, and you know me, it means I get to like just insert my own imagination into the scenario and the world building. Yeah. But it's not just so much that I I like the fact that we all we're seeing is a cross section of these people's lives that are being disrupted by this demonic car. And once it's vanquished, we don't like, that's it. There's, this was the story the car. And just like in real life, there sometimes is no resolution, you know, which I just, I thought that was a cool sort of take on it, but I completely get where you're coming from because a a movie, you want to know these things. It's like, okay, we're watching a movie. Tell me more about the characters. Like that's technically why we're watching the film, you know? Yeah. We want to get more invested in them. Yeah. We find out that she's got to get ready for school. This is where we find out that she's a school teacher. I like the fact that she doesn't, like, come out and say it. You just kind of put it together from the the dialogue, you know, and stuff. It's it's good dialogue. It's not like she's like, I am a school teacher. I work at their school. They, You know, like, it, it's not like you have to piece it together yourself, which I think is, again, a testimony to, like, just seeing a cross-section of these people's lives, you know? Yes, Wade and and Lauren have kind of like a playful wrestle thing that goes on, but eventually she kind of leaves out the back door of his bedroom and then he goes to see his daughters and like he goes into their room and he sees that they're like pretending to be asleep, but he does the typical dad, you know, bear hug type of thing to them. Yeah, you know, that type of thing. Oh, daddy. Daddy. James Brolin, you're such a hunk. <laughs> um, that mustache, that sweet mustache. That mustache is fucking awesome. I'm almost Ooh. not going to lie. I was kind of eyeballing that to like, maybe I'm going to do a mustache at some point. But, you um, should, dude. Do it. Yeah, I, I kind of, I might turn into mustache guy. I don't know. I'm the, but I'm beard guy now, so, you know. <laughs> it is It is November. It is, it is. Uh, cut to a dirt road outside. Um, a guy is playing a trumpet, and he's. This is where you, this is where you mentioned the sign. He's sitting under a sign that says "Welcome to Santa Yanez," and uh, basically behind him, there's a house with a truck that's parked out in front of it that says, "You know, danger explosives." Well, that'll come into play later. Um, a lady all of a sudden just kind of comes running out of the house with her husband chasing behind her. This is Amos R.G. Uh, Armstrong that we talked about earlier. 
This is our introduction to him. So you can tell that he's kind of like beaten. You can tell that he's a piece of shit right out of yeah. the gate, you know. But I love he's a wife the, beater. He's a wife beater. I mean, he's he's a piece of shit, basically. And in this whole entire movie, he's a piece of shit. All the way up until, you know, relatively till the end, essentially. I was trying to look up too uh, who played Johnny Norris. That's the that's mm-hmm. the kid mm-hmm. um, because because he's a he's a well known like I've seen him in other things. Um, or is it John Johnny Morris? I, th- I thought I thought they said Norris was his last name. I had him written down as um, hippie kid, but eventually you find out that his name's like John Norris or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because in the in the credits they've got uh, a character named john morris oh okay uh that's probably him then yeah and that's his is the actor's name is john rubenstein i think that's the same guy uh that guy has actually been in a ton of stuff uh he's got like 217 credits to his name jesus believe it or not yeah so he i mean it, it, currently he's been doing a, a shit ton but if you go back to his days in the 70s uh just it's, i think it's worth noting because because he's just a he's he's a well-known kind of character actor um he's just been in a shit ton of things and so you know i I saw him instantly and i'm like is this guy gonna factor more into this movie well we'll find out in a minute whether he does or not but (laughs) i'm just saying and it doesn't surprise me that he is i didn't look him up but it doesn't surprise me that he's a prolific actor because again I loved what he brought to the table in his short amount of time that he was it was in the movie. You know, I every person in this movie, I really enjoy what they're doing and what they bring to the table, even if it's like a short amount of time. Um, well, he was. He, I, I just want to point out really quick. He was in a movie called Zachariah. Okay, and it's called it's called the first electric western, uh, and it's just kind of a badass. It's very weird. Def, uh, Don Johnson is in it too. Oh no shit. Uh, yeah, it's 1971. It's worth it's worth seeking out. Okay. Because um, it, it's just an obscure cult. That's definitely a cult movie. So. Okay. All right. Cool. I had no idea about that one, but I'll I'll look that one up, dude. I love me some Don Johnson, bro. All the Zachary. time. It's a it's an it's called an electric western. Okay. Okay. Um, the hippie kid, uh, John Morris. He tries to kind of break up the fight, but you know. Amos kind of gets right into his face, essentially tells him to scram or he'll shove that trumpet so far up his ass. He'll be farting music for weeks. And I love the close-up shot of John Morris going, farting music for weeks. Wow. Like, he, he, thought, he was so funny. He's like, he was like, and he starts making like, like fart noises. He goes, wouldn't that be fantastic? fart music for a year and then that's when he starts making the the fart noises i thought that was funny as shit oh he's great he's got a great he's got a great few moments in this movie that's for sure <laughs> yeah they're they're coming to an end soon um <laughs> sorry <laughs> spoiler yeah amos and his wife go back inside uh the hippie sees a car kind of coming down the road you know uh, amos kind of told him he's got you know scram you got five minutes to get out of here kid's like well it can only go as fast as my finger can take me that type of thing um he sees the 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 car barreling down the road you know kicking up sand and everything but too far away from to really notice anything he starts doing a funny little you know internal dialogue thing saying i hope it's a a 30 some year old nymphomaniac and this and that like it was it was funny i liked it but 
as he's got his finger out, and as the car's coming towards him, it veers like right at him, and he kind of jumps out of the way. Surprisingly, I thought he was going to be dead right then and there, you know? Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. And I thought, oh, maybe this guy's actually going to live. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. After you're like, oh, I think he's going to die. He doesn't die. Oh, maybe he's going to live. Nope, that's not in his cards either. But uh, so I love how he's like, he's like, fuck you to the car. Like gives him a middle finger. He doesn't say fuck because it's PG, but he gives him the middle finger. And uh, I love how right when he says like, screw you or something, the car slams on its brakes and like, you know, dust kicks up and then it starts going in reverse. And J- Norris had a funny little line where he, he, Tells his middle finger that he's like, see, that's what you get for jumping to conclusions. And he does like a little smack on his middle finger. He's funny, dude. I fucking wish he wasn't about to die. And he dies. (laughs) He gets run over, going backwards, and then the car goes forward and runs him over again. And they don't show it, probably because of the PG rating, but Amos says later that he gets run over uh, two more times. So basically the car goes back and forth, back and forth over his rotten, rotten body. (laughs) Yeah, if this movie was rated R, you would have just seen him just getting ripped to shreds. But they didn't need to. I, 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 I always lean more on the the less is more Hitchcockian approach of just like go subtle. That's what Carpenter did mm-hmm. up until <laughs> the thing Prince of Darkness. <laughs> I think well the thing in Prince of Yeah, the thing in Prince of Darkness for sure. But you know, like go subtle. Yeah. It it, it works. I mean, to, to what we said earlier, man, I I do not feel like I were missing anything in this movie. You know, no, and even though most of the deaths are just people jumping through the air as they're pretending to be hit by the car, I, it never once, like, took me out of it, you know? I never sat there being like, oh, I wish we saw, like, an effect shot of it driving over his head and explode. Truly, I, I never once thought that because... The craftsmanship, like the the suspense of this movie, it's so well made that I didn't need it at all. Yeah, I fully agree with you. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. October 31st, 1981. It's the night of the party at Jerry's Arcade. It's the night all the kids have been waiting for. It's the night they have been waiting for. There's a new game at the arcade. It's Killer. Polybius. From David Irons, the writer of Nightwaves, the real terror begins. Polybius. Available now from Severed Press. And now, back to the show. Back at Wade's place, he's kind of he's getting on his motorcycle and he's going to take his girls to school. Um, this is the scene that you're talking about where we get a little insight into his his uh, his wife or you know their mom because uh, the oldest daughter Kim Richard she's like I know things were hard for you and mommy but I hope you guys get back together and then he's like well what if you know Lauren and I get together type of thing and you know and they're like oh you know that kind of dialogue back and forth yeah the older sister is doing the stereotypical i don't want anyone to replace mommy yeah and i do want to point out the fact that james brolin's shirt is dope and i want it oh the it's like a salmon sort of the the two button down top things or something is that the one it's it's, yeah it's like the henley 
Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, the Henley that, um, uh, uh, in drive, what's his fit? Ryan Gosling wears. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, it's so dope. It's so yeah. badass. Yeah. No, he, he, and, if, and I love seeing him like ride his motorcycle without a helmet. Cause he's like, nah, fuck it. Who cares? Well, they even, the kids even say the kids even point that out and he's like, do as I say, not as I do. Yep. Yep. And that's <laughs> such an old school approach, but you know. yeah, I know that's uh, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of some of the problems I have with my dad sometimes, but it so. goes a little bit to like, if, if you want to be an idiot, be an idiot. Just don't hurt anybody else in the process. Well, well, at least he makes them wear helmets and then he, yeah. he even says i'll wear a helmet twice tomorrow or something you know it's like it's funny and he it's does good. yeah he does you're right he actually keeps his word that's a good point um before he drives off he kind of radios into the station uh, he's i don't know if we established it but he he's also a deputy uh, police officer uh in this santa Yunez town and his dad his and his his dad who's dead which is an interesting thing actually i meant i meant to bring it up earlier because when he has that interaction with his girlfriend in the beginning, uh, he she picks up the picture of his his dad, who was the sheriff in the town, and she asks if if he would approve of her, and he's like, you know, well he uh, he wouldn't have a say in it or something like that. Right. He wouldn't have a choice, and it made me wonder, you know, if there was a subplot that they never really delved deeper into, with the dad's spirit being the car that comes back for revenge. Oh, 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 look, look who's picking up the world building banner. Huh? Okay. Okay. I can dig it. I can dig it. There's, there's some, you know, loose enough plot holes in here where you can kind of fill in your own, choose your own adventure. And, uh, like who knows? See, you're digging it, buddy. Finally, finally, I'm getting through to you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about all the people he kills, you know. I don't know. Maybe not. Well, we um, let's track that. I'm fine with tracking that, you know. Let's see, let's see where that goes. Wade shows up at, at the Amos place. Uh, Amos isn't his last name, by the way. I can't remember no. what it is, but... Um, Amos's place and the sheriff and Luke are already there with the coroner. Uh, you can tell the sheriff immediately has some kind of connection to Amos's Everett. wife. Um, yeah. Bertha, I think her name is. Yep. Yeah. So he, there's already something there. He's kind of holding on to her and he can tell that, you know, she's been beaten and everything. So, and of course, Amos is, is staring him down, you know, but, uh, well, it's obvious that Everett had a relationship with her before mm-hmm. and uh, didn't work out. And we'll find out later that, yep. yes, that is true. And uh, she was actually his first. Uh, Ber- Bertha was his first. first. Which is a big deal. <laughs> is it, though? I my guess. first wasn't. My first wasn't. I mean, I still remember my first, you know. I like, don't remember the name of my first. Jeez, buddy. <laughs> and you know you know how I broke up how I broke up with her? How? I didn't. Oh, I so just, you guys I are did, still together. No, she just kept calling me and I like ignored her. And she dropped all my shit off at the video store and I was like, Oh thanks. And she's like, Fuck you. And I'm like, Okay, I'm a dick. I'm a dick. Sorry. I'm a dick. You bad ghosted. karma for the next five years. Yep, you co- you ghosted before even we even had a term for that. <laughs> yeah, I totally did. And then she got pregnant with the next dude she was with. So <laughs> dodged you dodged a bullet. <laughs> My God, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Um, I, don't, I don't even know where to go with that. World oh, building. I'm, <laughs> world building. <laughs> 
Um, Amos tells them this is where we find out. Amos tells them he gets that guy got run over four times, like and everything, you know. Yeah. And and they're, they're just like, did you see the car? And he's like, I don't know. It was black. I can't make. I couldn't make it out. In Amos's defense, there was a lot of dust being kicked up everywhere. So, uh, you know, True. yes, Amos is a piece True. of shit, you know, and I shouldn't defend him. But I will say that, yeah, he probably couldn't get a good eye on it, you know. But he is feeling like he's, you know, being interrogated type of thing. And, you know, he's like, I don't I didn't see it. God damn it. You know, and, and but uh, like, I like God how damn it. God damn it. But like, you know, Wade kind of like gets in there. He's like, all right, how many doors? One, you know, two or four. And you know, he starts basically rattling stuff off so that Amos can kind of like chime in. And uh, one thing that we do find out that it's black, uh, no license plates and that the like the cab hood or not the hood, but the cab roof has been dropped. And like he noticed that sort of thing. The, the the sheriff tells Wade to put on APV on the car, you know, contact the other counties and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, basically we got to get on this thing. So um, at the police station, we see that it's it's a sort of it's a mix of of a few Native American officers and uh, mostly other Caucasian officers. There was no uh, African-American officer there, but there were a few Native American officers, which was cool to see. Yeah, I do appreciate that. And they don't really d- they don't. It's handled in a way of like not stereotyping and mm-hmm. for a time when that's all that was going on back in the day. Right. Yeah. I mean, Amos does do a little, uh, you know, racial racial stuff later. He says some stuff to Chaz. That makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. makes complete sense. But I, I, I love it. I love and, and, and within the police department. There's no like bickering. Like you can tell, like they're all. It's a very close knit uh, sheriff's office, and yeah. I like that. There's no like he's the asshole over here. This is the rookie. There's none of those like standard tropes. These are again, these are just all supposed to, like normal people dealing with a supernatural situation. And I think, I, I again, I'm I'm just gonna keep coming back to this. I I do love the fact that this movie doesn't do any normal movie tropes about having this guy be the asshole that like that fucks up the plan at the end you know you know what i'm talking about this movie could have had all the tropes in it and it doesn't and it's just these guys are all just sheriffs you know and i think even um brolin says something later where he's like man 10 years of of giving out you know uh, speeding tickets and now this so like they are grossly underprepared for a situation like this but you know what they're not grossly underprepared with in one respect the amount of fucking police officers in that station. Yes. Because there's like 12 guys in there. Yes. I didn't do a head count, but I know at the end, the final count of dudes is like six or seven, and they took out five earlier. So, yeah, we're looking at like 12 police officers. For a small that's a town. big ass for a small town. Yeah. That's a lot of shit. That's a lot of people on payroll. Yes. <laughs> You're not wrong about that at all. Not to mention like mechanics, you know, working on the, the cars yep. and stuff like that. That is a that is a well-funded sheriff <laughs> <Jesus>. station. <laughs> it is. And I and and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the characters' names is his name Fatso or Fatty? <laughs> Fats? <laughs> I, the big fat one. I mean, there is a big fat one. I because do not think his name I was is watching fat. it with Kristen, and Kristen's like, "Did he just call him Fat Fatso?" And I'm like, <laughs> I, don't I think, think so. so. <laughs> I think so. 
Yeah, in the in the hospital scene later on. Okay, okay, I don't think I heard that, but okay. <laughs> there was a there was a big boy on the payroll though, and uh, and he was yeah. a biker, dude. He was. Really I know, I know, I know. But he, he's yeah. But we'll, we'll we'll get to them later because I do like yeah, yeah. how they all get you know fucked up by the fact that you know their their friends are dying. You know, oh, I, I I will say his name is Marvin Fats. His name is oh, Fats. So his name is Fat. The character's Fats. name is Fats. Yes. Oh my god. That's kind of like fucking Porkins in in Star Wars, you know? Yeah. It's like, why? You didn't have to give the fat guy the name Porkins. You didn't have to. You could have changed but, it. But you did. But you did. I think they had a large Because you're an asshole writer. I think um I think they had more guys on the on this payroll than they did in Amity Island in uh <laughs> in, in Jaws, yeah. Jaws, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I think Amity Island only had what Brody, his deputy, and uh, yeah, that was it, pretty much. That's it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh shit. Well, there is a lot more ground to cover here. True. Uh, I would say uh, the 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 sheriff kind of gives like a a pep talk, a little bit of a pep talk, basically saying like a kid got killed in my town. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. He doing doing is like his normal sheriff thing. This was like one of the few tropey things that I saw or that I could like sort of note in the movie because, you know, he does his little thing and he kind of turns his back to everybody. He's like, all right, get out of here. And I was like, okay, you're that's definitely being the stereotypical, like grizzled old cowboy ish, you know, sheriff kind of guy. He's cowboyish, but I did. Yeah. I wanted to point out the fact that, yeah, see, he's got this kind of way of talking, like he he's does. 1920s gangster, see? Yeah. yeah. So look, yeah. Let's it, go out there and do the job that we got we got paid to do every day, see? Yeah. It almost makes you like kind of wonder if it's kind of like, you know, he was a part of that old school way of acting, you know? To- oh, he totally is. Yeah. He totally, and he's a New York guy, you know, clearly. Clearly. You can you can definitely hear it. Even uh, uh, Lauren had, had an like a kind of like a she does like yeah. a Cagney sort of thing. She she also has kind of like a New York accenty vibe to her too. Yeah. Can't you can't pull the New York out of New York. No, no, you definitely can't. <laughs> um at so we cut to at school. Lauren and her class are practicing the music for the parade while kind of sitting under a tree. You know, they're outside and everything. It's 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 nice. You know, it, it's uh, again. I I love her. I love the the actress who plays Lauren. I think she's she's great. She like yep. all the stuff that she does is fun. Like when she's telling the kids to you know stop the music and everything. She's she's fun. And as a teacher, Zach, did she do a? Or I know you used to be a teacher. I'll let everybody know. Um, did she do a good job sort of conveying that sort of vibe? Well, yeah, first of all, like, you can tell she's got this little dirty side to her. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I know teachers like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, man, I could tell you some stories, but I won't. Um, but, no, the, the idea that uh, she, yeah, like, the the casualness about her, it's very convincing. It's very convincing. Like, I bought her. I bought her as a teacher. And then when the principal walks up and shows her, ah. know, someone's been drawing p- pictures of you, and she's like, she gave me a 36 double D or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. The, so so the principal comes up and says, hey, I need to show you something. This here's a drawing of basically her nude, although it's not like vulgar. It's more like from the side. But yeah. uh, you can tell that it's her. And I love how Lauren immediately gets tickled by the fact. She's like, oh, that's so sweet. He gave me like, you know, <laughs> D-, D cups or something. Yeah. And, she, and the principal's like, do you know who this is? And she's like, of course. It's, you know, whatever, so-and-so. And she's like, the principal's like, do you think this is? 
is appropriate and she's like for a 13 year old boy to be drawn like to be attracted to his teacher and you know and she she's like of course like of course that is appropriate you know yeah but of course the principal's like oh blah, blah. and she's heavy she's older you know it's just she's just angry that no one's fantasizing about her nude yeah, it's just bitterness bitterness you know but <laughs> I, I do like how uh Mar- is it margie margie her friend yeah, margie. margie yeah luke's yeah. uh luke's girlfriend another fellow teacher um i like how margie's like after the principal leaves she's like do you think anyone ever you know drew her nude and yeah lauren's like of course not no <laughs> you know it was fun it's a great little moment i was waiting for you to point out margie i margie i don't n- know her from anywhere and neither do i i may cut this but man she's skinny with big boobs <laughs> yup. <laughs> yup. <laughs> oh shit. Welcome to Perverts After Dark. <laughs> yup. <laughs> so Luke and Wade pull up uh, in their in their cruiser. I guess it's I call it a cruiser, right? Like you know, they're not police; they're sheriffs. Yeah. but still, it's still a cruiser. Yeah. Um, and they pull up. Uh, we find out that Wade and Margie, you know, are dating. Have been dating for a while. We also find out that I'm sorry, not Wade and Margie. Uh, uh, Luke and and Margie are together. We also find out that this is important that Luke. On today's date is uh, two years sober, yes. so no alcohol, which will change. <laughs> Got to change real fast. Real fast. So they're doing their little, um, you know, they're, they're they're talking, you know, their their banter and all that kind of stuff. Um, Luke is a prude, and because Margie's like, "What? Just won't you hug me?" You know? Yeah, and he's, yeah. Like, he's like, "Done for the kids." Oh dear. Oh no. I'm going to get shot out of a window by our cybernetic cop one of these days. I have, I have sex with my T-shirt on. <laughs> sorry. For those of you that do that, sorry. Oh, good. no. I feel bad for those people. <laughs> uh, yeah. <all> right. so, <laughs> I just started thinking about those poor people that have sex with their shirts on, and they probably have their socks on, too. Oh, God. Be comfortable in your own body. You know, that's hey, what I say. you know. Come see, come saw. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm, I got a gut and I got some moobs, but you know, my wife likes me. <laughs> my wife likes me. I hope. <laughs> oh God. The reason right. why this episode will take three and a half hours is not because of the movie, because the movie actually, if you cut it down, it's a cool like sixty minutes long. If yeah. you Really think about it. Yeah, we're already burning through this breakdown already. Um, oh, so they uh, they get a call. Uh, they found a bo- the girl, the girl from earlier. So they got to Wade and Luke got to get the hell out of there. And yep. bada bing, bada boom, they're off. So Wade and Luke arrive at the scene of the first body, the girl that we saw, you know, getting dragged across the ground, yada, in the guardrail thing, um, and launched into the ravine below. I do love how they they pull up, uh, Wade and Luke pull up, and you do see like the blood smear and everything, but there's like civilian people like everywhere. It's like, have you never seen an episode of CSI? This whole crime scene is contaminated now. 
at this point now, yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great moment though to see the blood on the on the on the guard because it it just displays how horrific that must have been for her. Oh God, God, Brutal. yeah, her Brutal. her her right leg got shredded before she got launched onto a bunch of rocks below. Oofa doofa. Yep. Wade and Luke make their way down into the ravine and talk to the sheriff. Um, he thinks it's the local doctor's daughter because of a locket around, you know, the, her, her neck, you know. And he asks Wade if he would recognize the the daughter, you know, if he saw her and everything. Um, this is one of those towns where, like, I think everybody knows each other. So yeah. it's really kind of hitting home that if anybody dies, it's, it's you know, it's it's going to – somebody's going to be affected by this. And, and the people – the, the sheriff people are going to know somebody who's affected by it. The 28 sheriffs on the force. Yeah, right. Yeah, between all of them, they're going to clearly know somebody who's going to be affected by this. Um she, so she went bicycling. Uh, her dad said that she went bicycling with a boy named Pete earlier. Uh, Luke knows that boy. There's a little backstory on how Pete's dad died, and then Luke sort of has become like a mentor for the kid. Yep. But he's like, no, the the kid told me that that he went the kid that that he went to Ogden for a um, uh, job interview. So like, I, I like that. I love how Luke is is already. Like sort of in it, there's just there's so many connections to these characters already that that you really get the sense that this is a living, breathing town. Yeah, and, and Luke already is displaying little drips and drabs of like nervousness. Yeah, tepidness. And the sheriff, of course, thinks like, "Hey, Pete could have lied to you, Luke." You know, the the sheriff tells Wade that he wants roadblocks on every major road in and out of town. Okay. Back at the police station, Wade is handing out uh, hands out the assignments. Uh, Wade sees Luke's <clears throat> Wade sees Luke and asks about Pete. Uh, Luke says he never showed up in Ogden, so now we don't know yet. You know, I should say Luke doesn't know yet that Pete's dead, but he, you can tell he feels it, like he's dreading it, and it's already beating him down. Do you think he's? They were considering the kid a suspect at this point. Uh, yes, I think at this point they thought. They, I think they're thinking that the kid killed the girl. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, cut to the sheriff. I like that. I, I like that little that little twist. Yeah, me too. Because they don't know. They don't. They don't know. So yeah. the most logical explanation would be that. Yep. Uh, cut to the sheriff talking to Amos's wife. She's clearly been beat up. Uh, he clearly cares. He's like putting his hand on her and everything while Amos is behind them, like watching it. And he's like telling awkward. just I I know, super fucking awkward. And he's he's telling her to like press charges, you know, like you can't go back to him. He he clearly cares, but uh, you know, and and he tells Amos to get the fuck out of here, you know, while he's talking to the to the to the lady, to Bertha. Because uh, she actually has more of a black eye now than she did earlier, so clearly you can tell that she's been beaten since uh, the mornings, you know, that they saw her in, in the, that morning. Yep. Cut to Luke putting away the shotguns. I, I didn't understand this. You can tell he's losing it. Uh, then, like, kind of Luke goes into the station garage, pops open open the trunk of his cruiser, and takes out a bottle of whiskey and drinks it. So right away we know that he's back on the wagon. 
back in the station. The sheriff is holding, like, this is when he's kind of holding her, her hand, telling her she has to have to go back with Amos. Bertha kind of, like, gives him a look, like a sweet look thing, you know, and, and just leaves without saying anything. Because, you know, you know the scenario. She she can't leave her wife. She can't leave the life that she knows, you know, yeah. and everything. We, we know the scenario here. Um, that this is also after she leaves. Uh, he's talking to Wade. This is when we find out that the sheriff says that he went to high school with her and that she was his first. Um, he's the sheriff. He's doing a, just a great job. He's just doing a fantastic job. He's good. Yeah. Con, just acting, he, acting. But he's, he's a, you know, like you said, this, this is a, not all these people may be well known, but they all come from, they're all talented actors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it really shows because they're all very believable in their roles. Yeah, there's not well, – I'm just – I'm trying to think really quickly, but there's no, like, bad acting scenes in this movie. No. Like, everyone is bringing their A game here, you know? Yeah. And yeah. even the cinematographer, even the director, yes, it's a it's a small story. It's a small budget, but everyone's bringing their shit. I like, I like the, um, you know, the fact that there's 400 police deputies – but the fact that they all seem good, they're like, they're good yeah. actors, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Like, yeah, they all emote well. You can, it's never like, oh, that guy back there is the shitty stunt guy, you know, like, yeah. like the, the, the where's Bowski or something of the colonial Marines. You know what I mean? Like the, the one guy, the, the couple guys that are just filling out the ranks as like stunt guys. And I, I apologize to the actor who played where's Bowski because he actually, uh, passed away in a skydiving accident, but you know what I mean, like how <laughs> Jesus, how, how, but you know what I mean, right? Like, like none of them are just filler guys in the background. Not that they all have any kind of like like moments to shine, but they yeah. all do as an act as actors. They all do their jobs. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I know what you're saying, and and um, you know, I was watching The Crow not that long ago, and like all the thugs in the in, the, in one scene, I'm like, oh, these some of these guys are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Where's Bowski? Well, you can't apologize to him because he's gone. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry. Where's Bowski? Um, all right. And Crow, too. Actually, both of them. Where's Bowski and Crow? The two, uh, the two like, stunt Marines uh, have both passed away. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, all right. So. Uh, the sheriff tries to kind of like say you kind of trying to break the tension uh, tell him Wade like let's go get a drink at the club I like how he calls it the club you know it's just a bar that's all it is (laughs) it ain't no club in this little like one light town you know no Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, as uh, as they leave the station they see Amos is kind of fighting with Bertha by their truck on the street Uh, Amos leaves for the bar and like Bertha kind of drives off. She takes the, the pickup truck. Uh, Amos kind of starts walking across the, the street to like, crossing the street to go to um, uh, the bar or the, the club, wherever the fuck it is. All right. So the sheriff walks out onto the street and he sees, uh, so, so the, Wade tells the sheriff to like, yeah, I'll meet you there type of thing. Like order me a gin and tonic. Yeah. I'll, I'll be right there. I'm just going to wait for, for Ronnie Cox for Luke. So, 
the sheriff goes out there. He sees the interaction between uh, uh, Amos and his wife. The wife leaves. She takes the truck and leaves. Amos starts go walking across the, the street. And as he's walking across the street, from the shadows, all of a sudden, the car kind of, like, turns on its headlights and, like, vroom, you know, like, vroom, vroom, like, just shoots right at Amos. Amos jumps out of the way, but then the car makes a beeline right for the sheriff and kills him on the road. Going back to what you were saying earlier, curious if if the car was actually aiming for Amos or if the car was yeah. actually aiming for the sheriff. Just a thought, just yeah. an idea, just a theory. I And I will say, too, they use, you know, they speed up the, the camera or the film with these scenes. And typically it's it's hokey, but this this, this works for me because I, I like it. It just it's very effective. Yes, there is a lot of Mad Max style sped up footage in this movie, but yes. you are, or I'm, I'm with you on that. It never takes me out I don't of it. Mind. it. It doesn't mind. It they do it well. I, I don't know how. Yeah. I, I don't know technically why this one looks better than other movies that do it. I, I don't like know why, but for some reason it does. You know what? I take it back. When it's sped up, you know what fucks things up sometimes is when they do a Mad Max style scenario on like police cars, you see the yeah. headlights, you know, like speeding up. And here I feel like it's because of most of the stuff that was during the daytime. You didn't really notice that as much. No, no, I think you're right. So it works regardless. Like it works. Uh, Luke and Wade run outside and you know, they see the aftermath and again, another just a great shot, like a dolly shot tracking in on their faces and I mean, Brolin and Ronnie Cox are just, they nail it. They look destroyed, oh. like, te- like tears are coming into their eyes. Like, there's no, like, oh, no. It's it's just quiet devastation. It's brutal, man. It's brutal. It's it's one of the few, one of the, unfortunately, a few scenes in the movie where they have to show distraughtness, and uh, it's done really believably. Yeah. They, they love this guy. You, you think about the scenario. You grow up all your life knowing all these people. So very sad. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like they don't ever say like, oh, the chief, you know, he, he was our mentor and everything. But like this movie, you, you get the sense that clearly there's history before that. Clearly yeah. they they respect the the sheriff, the, the chief, you know, clearly they look up to him, you know, and, and once his leadership is gone and Wade has to kind of step up, um, you know, even he's like, you know, someone asks him, like, what are we supposed to do now? He's like, how do I know? You know, like he's 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 just as devastated. I yeah. I like how every death in this movie, every death affects somebody else. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, absolutely. Back in the police station, Amos and Wade are yelling at each other. They're just really having a heated conversation. Amos says he's going to blow the son of a bitch sky high with dynamite, which, of course, is foreshadowing to later. Uh, Wade just wants to know if it's the same card that killed the hitchhiker. And, you know, Amos is like, I, I think so. Yes, it was, you know. It's I, the RJ uh, RG, RG Armstrong, again, he's, he does a great job, too. and But he's a, his character's a big piece of shit. But... You know, and you never quite like him. You never, he's never one of those likable pieces of shit. But no, because <clears throat> this is one area where, like, I get, I get that you don't mind things being resolved, but the wife beater angle, I'm like, eh, I would have liked to have seen, well, we'll, we'll get, well, I'll get to more of my thoughts about him in a, in a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I know where you're going with it, and I, I, I do want to have that conversation with you. So I, I do. It's all good. Mm-hmm. 
a Native American woman, uh, she kind of, she was out there. You saw her for like a split second, but she, she saw the whole thing. She's talking to Chaz, who's, uh, one of, one of two Native American deputies. Um, then there's also, uh, a third female Native American deputy. I, I think this is wrong, but I put in my notes, I just called a receptionist. I don't think that's right. And I apologize to people who work the front desk of a sheriff's office. I don't know what that term is, but she's she's in uniform. Um, so I guess she's a deputy, right? But she works the calls, I guess. Uh, so I just called her the receptionist. But there's three uh, Native American people who are there. Chaz is kind of the main one. There's like a a B unit, you know, a, a one that'll kind of uh, die later who didn't really get anything, you know, but yeah. And so... <laughs> the, na- the 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 Native American older Native American lady is talking to Chaz. Chaz is kind of you know translating it. Um, the the call lady, the Native American receptionist lady, is is can sort of hear what's happening, hear the conversation. Uh, that that will of course come into play. Um, but she says she saw the, the Native American lady says she saw the whole thing. She's telling Chaz about it, and uh, but then he's kind of like translating what's happens. But then she says something. You can tell she talks for bit and he's just like uh and wade's like what did she say and he's like oh nothing she's you know she's she's just an old you know doesn't matter you know but the native uh deputy asks what they should do and wade's like how the hell should i know so you can tell he's losing it too i think her name's donna by the way donna okay I think the, it's, okay yeah I'll, I'll refer to her as donna um she was cute i liked her Cut to the next day, and Wade is addressing his fellow officers, and uh, the mood is very somber. (laughs) And that was my note for that one. (laughs) The officers leave for their assignments. Uh, Wade goes over to Luke's how he's doing. Luke is just destroyed. I mean, he just, he's crippled to the point where, like, he's, like, hunched over like he's so fucked up from it. Donna tells Wade that the school principal is asking about the parade rehearsal. Can she go ahead with it? You know, Wade thinks it's fine, um, but he puts a deputy on the rehearsal duty. The coroner comes by to get Wade to sign some paperwork because the sheriff had no next of kin. Uh, the, the, the coroner also says, you know, Wade says everyone will pitch in for the funeral, but the coroner's like, oh, you know, no, we'll, we'll take care of it, you know. Yeah, I, lo- and, I actually I love that, that's, that sequence. Yeah. Because aside from Amos, there are no bad human characters in this. Everyone, I feel no. like, behaves like a normal freaking human that would care about their fellow human beings, you know, aside exactly. from Amos. Yep. Once the coroner leaves, the Donna tells Wade something about last night. She goes, Chaz didn't translate everything the Native American lady said. She also said there was no driver in the car. So, of course, you know, that's going to, okay. Uh, Wade sits next to a freaked out Luke and tells him to call the principal back and cancel the rehearsal, which of course is that'll come into play later. Just then a call comes in and another body has been found in the ravine, a young male and a motor and a bicycle, not a motorcycle. I'm sorry. A young male and a bicycle. Luke just, I mean, you can just tell Ronnie Cox knows what it's like to be devastated to the point where you feel like you're going to throw up because he emotes that so perfectly. I, I almost feel bad for Ronnie Cox. Like he must've had something horrible happen in his life because he does, he emotes distress like nobody I've ever seen. 
Yeah, it's very convincing, almost to the point where you're like, yeah, I totally, yeah, I'm on board with you. Like, what what happened to you, dude? What happened to your life to make you miserable? <laughs> well, his friends are dying off. That's what happened to his life to make <laughs> yeah. him miserable. Well, yeah. I don't think he was miserable before this. I think no. his life was on the uptick. He he, he had a hot, he has a hot girlfriend. Uh, you know, he, he's got, he's, he's kicked uh, alcohol for two years. I think what happened to him is that fucking a demon car came to town and killed his mentor. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> You're like, I can't fight that one. <laughs> no, I'm not going to argue that. Okay. Uh, sucks to be you, dude. Sorry. <laughs> it honestly, it sucks to be all of them. To be truthful. <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, uh, Way leaves, and you can just tell Luke just gets up and walks to the station garage. You can just tell he's going for a drink. But what? <laughs> yeah, he, I love that. I'm going drinking. I'm going drinking. Now I didn't I didn't write it down in my notes I apologize but there okay. there was a moment right there where um uh, I believe that Wade tells um uh Ronnie oh, Luke to cancel the rehearsal he tells him to call the principal back cancel the rehearsal then they hear about the the body and that's when Luke gets devastated so knowing moving forward but you notice he didn't he does not call the principal back it's it's just it's such an obvious, like, you know what's going to happen in regards to that because Luke is so distraught and just kind of distracted and just seems like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know you know what he's not going to do later. <laughs> yes. He's not going to do his job and call the principal. Yep. He's going to go drink. <laughs> yep. Uh, we got a few scenes, like, you know, a couple establishing shots of the cops setting up their roadblocks around town. Cut to a close-up of the body of the dead boy. With his leg back <laughs> in the grass at the bottom of the like the bridge, the ravine where he landed. He didn't, he didn't land in the water, that's for sure. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, Wade is there with the fishermen that found him. Uh, Wade radios, you know, send, a, send an ambulance and no need to hurry because the kid's dead. Um, <laughs> Wade asks about the roadblocks, uh, but Donna says it's all quiet, you know. It's interesting because the the conversation that he has about the robots and everything being quiet is over a shot of like a desert shot, no roads around, just a desert shot of of yeah. of, of the desert, Utah desert, and the car is just slowly sort of just driving over some hills, just because he don't need no roads, like Doc Brown, right? Yeah, no, and I love I love the locations they used. It's so desolate. Yeah. Yeah, it is really cool. By the way, Monument Valley is a place that I've always wanted to visit, uh, and this movie is just beautiful. The The cinematography in this film is, is, is gorgeous. Or you just oh, can't yeah, take agreed. any bad shots of, of Utah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been to I, I've never been that to that part of Utah, but it is beautiful. Wouldn't want to live there, though. No, no, especially not with a killer car driving around. So. Nope, that's for damn sure. <laughs> so we cut to, it's like, the local racetrack, um, it's it's like a horse racetrack, so it's it's you know uh, not paved, it's dirt, and the the marching band is practicing their 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 song, I guess, right? They're they're just practicing on the the dirt track, um, being led by Lauren. She is wearing some 
1977 camel toe hugging pants and it's like i was like no wonder your kids got the odds for you man that is she had a hell of a camel toe for for being a teacher but maybe that was just 70s style i don't know (laughs) well for okay two things i want to point out the 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 fact that you know you said you were going to cut out something earlier and i'm like well but talking about camel toe it's all good so you might as well just leave that other part in uh I want to point out also, I want to point out, uh, clearly they're having practice right now. So somebody didn't do his job immediately. You're like, oh, Luke didn't oh, cancel practice. Yeah, yep, you're right. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I kind of didn't pick up on that thread until the second time that I watched it. Um, okay. But yeah, you're right. It, yeah, Luke did not call the principal to tell them to cancel practice. So nope. everything that is about to happen, well... Well, we'll see. Well, it's kind of on Luke. It kind of is. <laughs> Kick back another one, Luke, because it's kind of on you here, buddy. <laughs> Luke, you just blew it. Yep. Uh, the deputy kind of kind of gets there, and he's watching the, the parade practice, um, standing on some sort of platform. I guess that the platform that probably raises the flag, right? Like the, 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 the platform that watches the race, the, the officials platform. I have yep. no fucking clue what that word is. The grandstand, I guess. Okay. I don't know. What? I don't know. Lookout tower. There you go. Well, not much of one because he doesn't see the car coming off in the distance behind them. So really cool shot. Like, uh, so he's up high watching over them on the ground below and the, he's kind of looking towards the camera, but like not at the camera and the camera's looking over his shoulder. And this is a a kind of hearkening back to the opening credits. You just see the car like coming just before they know it, the, the audience sees it, you know, the impending doom. And I love that shit. I like that kind of shit. I that shit. I like that shit. Like in Halloween too, where you like you don't realize Michael Myers standing in the background until like your second or your third viewing of the movie, you know, type of shit. I like stuff like that. I like subtle things uh, happening in the background. I miss it. I miss it. I know it's it's probably a gag that they do to get the audience to kind of yell at the screen. Um, you know, he's right behind you. He's right behind you because they they don't do it anymore, man. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it all, yeah, it needs to be done more often. Yeah, if this movie was made now, I feel like they would have showed a close-up shot of the car barreling at them and then like cutting back and forth, you know, type of thing. Yeah, I love I love this. It's great. Mm-hmm. Super effective. Yeah, it is. So I love that. Uh, so the car is barreling at them from a distance, but none of them knows. Um, but all of a sudden, and this is cool. This is a cool bit of lore and mythos around the car that I like. That yeah. unfortunately, I don't feel like they did it enough. All, like it no. didn't happen all the time. But what preceded the car was this like big wind sort of starts kicking up and like causing the the people and the horses to freak out. Then all of a sudden the deputy's like, Hey, everybody be quiet. You know, and then everything kind of quiets and all of a sudden they hear the, be like, no, it's not a party sound, man. <laughs> but it's not, it's not because no party is coming at you. <laughs> it's, it's only bad news. Party of death. But I love the fact that the car could have been silent, but it was like, no, oh, yeah. I'm going to do my signature trumpet sound because I got to let them know that I'm coming. 
Hello, everyone. You're going to die. <laughs> um, so the bear, it, it's, it's kind of barreling down at them now. They all see it, you know. And uh, Lauren tells everyone to run to the cliffs as the car starts, like, circling the racetrack and, and sort of kicking up dust and everything. And in this yep. scene, I like there's really no here and there but not much of the Mad Max footage there's real legit speed happening here and I think they do a great job like just just following the car and everything um but it's kind of like it's kind of like circling them and then it all of a sudden just flies through a tent you know and lands on the racetrack starts doing like a donut and starts chasing people um a bunch of cowboys on horses like like hey we gotta help the kids you know it's like i mean it's a whole group of kids running away from the car you know so i like that There's the like cowboys jump on the, there there is and i like how these random guys are like we gotta help the kids you know i love that i love that because that 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 is the priority that should be the mm-hmm. priority yeah and unfortunately for those cowboys, the car dispatches all of them <laughs> and goes back to chasing kids in the Lauren. But it they you know those guys didn't die in vain. They did buy them enough time. And Lauren and the kids and everybody, including the principal and 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 Margie, um, everybody, they all run into this uh, cemetery. You know, and it's so right there. They run in the cemetery, and the car's chasing right after them. But boom, it like slams on its brakes before it can actually penetrate the cemetery and like actually cross over onto hallowed ground. Hallowed ground, sorry. I love that. Me too. I think that's cool as shit. So this scene is fucking awesome. So the car's just like sitting there fucking revving its engines, like fucking flying and doing its thing. And like Lauren, you know, they all kind of realize, okay, it's not attacking us. So Lauren kind of comes out from behind a tombstone, starts taunting the driver. This will be her downfall later. But I think she's, I think it's because I think it targets her later because of what happens here. I think it's because she's taunting it is why it targets her later. Yep. Uh, cars doing like donuts and everything, but of course she's like, you know, oh, big man, you know, come out of the car. Let's see how big you are, you know. So we all, everyone thinks that there's a person in this car. There's no thought that this is any kind of, you know, supernatural creature or anything. But I love the fact that, you know, the car's not talking, but it is. Every time she's like, get out of the car, it's like doing donuts. It's almost like saying, there is no getting out of the car. I am the, I is the car. I is car. I am the car. <laughs> I am the car. I has cats. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and damn, Lauren's got some serious cojones on her for mm-hmm. standing up to this thing and getting right in its face, potentially getting mulled down. Uh, her BFF, by the way, is kind of an idiot for, I know you're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. But like, <laughs> Yes. So, so real quick, the, I'll, I'll, extra, I'll extrapolate more when you get to that. Yes. Yes. So, so the car kind of gets so mad that it rams one of the, like the stone archway kind of causing that to crumble. And then here's where Margie kind of makes a run for it. Oh, now I should run right now. I should run. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. So, and and Lady, the car immediately you... goes after her too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Rightfully so, and you know, but I'm like, you had you you had a good one or two minutes to go when he was re- when she was really getting him going, you know. Yeah, 
Agreed. Because by because right when she makes a go for it, before she even gets out of there, it like senses it, you know? Like it starts yeah. moving around back before she's even like getting up. So like it almost yeah. has like this sixth sense of it. Um but she does make a run for it, almost gets hit by him. I thought she was gonna get hit, but she, she I thought so too. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't. Like the body yeah. count is if you think about it, the body count's super high in this movie. It really is. Yeah. I'm glad they haven't yet though. Like I was, I was shocked for a PG movie. Yeah. The body count is crazy high for a fucking PG film. Right. So she dodges the car, but makes her way to the cruiser. I, I guess the deputy died, right? I, didn't he die in, I guess in the initial attack, I guess we yeah. don't really see yes. it though, but I guess we can assume it. Yeah. Cause I, I think all told five or six cops are killed in their Yeah cavalcade yeah yeah um but margie margie does make it to the cruiser and calls for wade and basically tells him what's happening so if she didn't do that no one would have known where they are and what was going on so she yeah. you know she definitely was was a bit of a hero there uh back at the cemetery lauren is still taunting the car as it does donuts uh but then we hear sirens in the distance and then the car drives off <laughs> and the principal yells cat poo at the car. Yeah, I wrote that down. <laughs> but she says it's so weird. Like, she says it, like, with a mouthful of marbles. She's like, cat poo! That is clearly someone who's not used to swearing. Yes, that's this is true. She um, says chimney Christmas instead of Jesus. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. Uh, Wade gets there. He tells Lauren to take the kids back home. And then, like, everyone's, like, cheering. Cut to now an older deputy. He's assigned to, like, this long stretch of road. He's kind of just sitting on the the hood of his car, you know. Um, he has a shotgun in his hand. And he's – oh, I'm sorry. This That was earlier. The, him sitting on the hood of the car was earlier. Now he's actually a bit more prepared. So he has a shotgun in his hand, and he sees the car driving full speed down at him down the road. We hears the deputy. So that's Ray, by the way. He calls it in. He's like, it's the car. You know, it's, it's coming at me. And I, I like Ray. Like, he's like this older, grizzled sort of guy, but he has some some acting stuff going on here. He, he does his job again. He shows off his fear and everything. He does a With good job. With his gold chain around his neck. Right. Yeah, I know. He's And he's such like, he reminds me of, I think, Mr. Blue in Reservoir Dogs. Like that kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Eddie Bunker. Yes. Eddie Bunker is actually a former convicted felon. Yes. Uh, who wrote a book about that and became an actor. Yes. He's also in Best of the Best. Yeah, so Eddie Bunker, um, I I know him from basically from Reservoir Dogs, but yeah, I yeah. I find his his story, his personal story, fucking fascinating as hell. Yeah, if but, you, if you don't, if you never, if you're a reader and you like to read books about celebrities, definitely check out his autobiography. It's good. And this, so like Ray, kind of reminds me of that, like an old, like the older guy with the mustache, yeah, totally. you know, like yeah, he's seen some shit basically. Um, but the the car, you know, he's, he's telling everyone the car's here, the car's here, you know, the car drives up to him, but it stops in front of Ray. Ray's behind the hood of his car with a shotgun aimed at it. Uh, he fires off a couple rounds, but to no effect. He even says like, "I missed it. How can I miss it?" You know, he's so close. But we find yeah. out later that the car is, you know, bulletproof. Um, Cars turns back around and kind of goes back the way it came. Ray gets in his car and is in pursuit. Wade tells two more squad cars to go after that car. So 
Wade's kind of going from the back end, and then two more guys are going to uh, – basically four guys total will be coming the other way. So this will be five total here. Um, they're going to try to basically box the car in. Uh, we see Ray chasing after the car as it uh, – I love how the car is just running – driving down the street. There's just a random station wagon there, and the car's like, oh! And so the car swerves to try to hit the station wagon. The station wagon, you know – it's like, what the fuck? Like, you know, drives out of the way, but then the car just keeps going. I love the car was like, oh, look, here's an opportunity to kill somebody else. Let me try. Oh, well, <laughs> like it, it misses and it's not, it doesn't like turn back around. It's just kind of like, ah, darn. <laughs> ah, fuck it. I've got bigger fish to fry anyways. <laughs> exactly. But I like that it tried. A for yeah. effort. <laughs> A for effort. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, and this this scene we do get a couple of Mad Max sort of shots uh, of it, you know, of of everyone chasing after it. Um, but uh, the car kind of loses Ray, but then it slows down and waits for Ray to catch up. The car, by the way, is fast as shit. I mean, e- even you can tell, like like even on the street when it it you know fires up, it's got a zero to sixty in like no time. And you know yeah. you can tell when there's no Mad Max footage that. That car is still fast as fuck. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I like that the car kind of waits for Ray. Ray catches up to it, and the car, you know, takes off again. It's almost – there really isn't any kind of, like, cutesiness to this movie, to be truthful with you. But you can infer a little bit of playfulness to it right here. Well, I will, I will – I, yeah, I'll point out, like, you know, obviously <laughs> it's, it's an intense film. But there's moments where you – Seriously, laugh your ass off. <laughs> uh, really quick, I, it just popped back in my head at the uh, racetrack when the kids are all running from the car. Uh, at one point, this kid gets knocked on his ass, face plants into the ground. <laughs> and I just, I'm sure he got the wind knocked out of him when they shot that scene for real. And yeah. you know, when they yelled cut, they were probably like, Are you okay? And he's like, ah, ah, ah. And like his arm is like hurt or something like that, and uh, so apparently. Oh, there's another kid that does. Too, yeah. yeah, and and one of those two because I kind of you can't really tell the difference, but one of the kids that get hurt that gets hurt there is Amos's kid. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't pick up. Well, yeah, I didn't sense. pick up on that until the the second viewing. Which is why you should buy this DVD from Scream Factory. Yes. And Amazon.com. Ag- agreed. And in the notes section, right, I listen to Podcasting After Dark, and that's why I'm buying this. Yes. Please do that. But to your point about Grass the racetrack roots. thing, the yeah. that kid took a fall. And, like, the car almost hits him, too. Like, the car has to drive out of the way. I was like, oh, shit, that seemed dangerous. I'm sure the stunt driver had a fun fucking time doing this <laughs> probably <laughs> i think he had a heart attack yeah, right there though i think he i feel like that kid fell like by accident and he had to like fucking fly <laughs> oh, out of the way it's clearly an accident like yeah it it, it, it screams accident yeah accidente accidente that's a that's an la uh reference so <laughs> it is <laughs> i don't know i mean i always remember that guy's ads you know accidente ads <laughs> oh totally dude yeah, yeah the yeah. mustache that guy that guy had a rocking mustache dude <laughs> 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 fucking mustaches man i want a mustache oh, i'm geez. doing a mustache guys i'm doing it come on i'm telling you man november i know i know <laughs> um all right so now uh ray is chasing after the car as it's going up like 
it's going up a, a mountain pass. Um, you know, mountain yes. on one side, cliff on the other. Uh, Ray's, you know, telling them where they're going, obviously. He's tracing the car up. And as he's getting to the top of the mountain, he kind of rounds the corner, and then the car's coming towards him. So the the car at one had at some point had done like a 180, turned around, it's coming right back at him. You know, he screams. He kind of like uh, almost like drives off the cliff, and then the car stops. He stops. The car stops like sort of right next to him, and and Ray's about to kind of jump out the door because like the car's close to his squad car is close to falling off the cliff, and the and the car is sitting there. And Ray's like doing like one of those like he's sort of halfway out of his driver's seat, and then the car kind of just slowly inches forward and uses its its front end to close Ray's door and kind of push him back inside. And I, I love that. I loved how it wasn't like immediately the car didn't go ram him off. I love how it just clo- slowly closed the door. Yep, I love that, dude. Love that scene. Right? And it is really intense, the way they shot it. It looks like he's going to, oh, I just got chills thinking about it. Because I mean, he, he opens up the door, and he's like, whoa. It's very believable. Mm-hmm. You know, and he gets back in his car. Yeah, it, it's so, like, don't you fucking do this. And, and, like, it's, yeah, it's so cool because the car could have yep. easily done what it's about to do in two seconds, you know? But it doesn't. It just slowly closes the door. Very, very cool. Very menacing. Agreed. I love it. And so, no hope for Ray. Ray's kind of like, he tries to go out the passenger door, and, you know, it's a a sheer fall down. And, um, yep, the the car just pushes him right off. I do love the fact that Ray's squad car explodes and immediately like like it's it's about to roll down the hill and the first like rock that it hits it explodes and then just keeps going down yeah got gotta love old school explosions back in the day yeah you they do pull no punches <laughs> i feel like a lot of the budget went into that car explosion right there oh i agreed i think a lot of the budget yeah, a lot of the, their budget went into just just blowing shit up. Yeah, and especially uh, what's going to come general. in two seconds. Um, yes. The so it pushes Ray down. He blows up, dies. The other two cop cars are racing up the road, sort of side by side, uh, while the car is sort of heading straight at them. This is like on the road below that mountain where they where Ray just died on. So the car the the car is coming back. They're heading up. So picture the two squad cars side by side. So taking up the entire road, going straight at the car, and you know you got four uh, deputies in 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 the two squad cars, and they're like, okay, you know he's gonna have to swerve, he's gonna have to swerve. Oh, does he swerves? This is so fucking cool. He yeah. the the car swerves to the side so that the momentum is that it's flipping through the air long ways over the road and fucking barrels through the two squad cars blowing them up and then you just see him kind of like drive on his on his tires and you know budget wise and everything yes this could be done with cgi now like this could have been amazing looking but i will say it's pretty fucking impressive for what it is oh i agree it is it's amazing it's a great sequence Especially, and you, you got to go back to 1977 when this movie came out. It looks great. 
and it's a love pr- it. It's a practical effect. Like it's a practical yeah. stunt. Like they had yep. to fucking nail that on like the first go, probably. Oh, and they nailed it. They, they nailed it hard. And and dude, like when I was watching this the first time, like I always, you know, I, I remember Lauren's death and everything. But when I was watching this the first time, I fucking forgot about this. My jaw hit the ground, not because like it was shocking, but because like I, I didn't expect it. And it was well done. It was very well done for 1977. And oftentimes with movies like this, they'll go with like, like the one the one big set piece, you know, the big coup de gras. Mm-hmm. This movie had like probably three or four big set piece kills, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. This isn't even this, like, this is one of them. Yeah. This is, this is one of them. I wouldn't even see this is like the, the main one's probably going to be Lauren's, but, but yeah, dude, like all the deaths in this movie, like this one later on and everything, it's like, they're amazing, but like, there aren't like 30 cameras like covering them. Like you would see like in a Michael Bay movie, which makes it more realistic. Like you see it from like just one camera angle and then it's over and you're like, what the, what the fuck just happened? Like, holy shit. You know, like I I love this shit, dude. I love this old style of filmmaking. Agreed. Me too. Hey everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La, la, la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La, la, la. And now, back to the show. So Wade sees this on his motorcycle. Now he's kind of on the same road that they were, just about 200 yards down the road, you know. And the the car's coming at him. You can see smoke, you know, off in the distance from those two other cars, which from the squad cars, which I think was a nice little, you know, because uh, it, it's a real quick thing, but you see the smoke, yep. you know, sticking up. It's like, okay, that's cool. And uh, Wade kind of like, 
you know, drops his motorcycle, you know, like right in the middle of the road. So like the car would have to hit it um, and and stands there with his with his gun drawn and the car slowly, slowly stops, you know, in front of of the motorcycle and just sort of sits there. And these are some kind of it happens again later. But like the, the fact that the, the car is just sort of sitting there waiting for Wade to do something, you know, Wade fires off a couple shots at the tires, does nothing. Then he fires off a shot at the windshield, does nothing. And it's I liked it because the windshield shot, you saw it from in, inside. And it, I liked the like the muffled, like how, how the, the gunshot was like real muffled and you couldn't really hear it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah and this, and this scene fuels a little bit of my theory as to the motivation because it doesn't kill Wade. It just knocks him out in a minute. Um, and so, and even the, the opportunity, it has opportunities later in the movie to kill him and it doesn't until the very end when I think it probably just loses its shit, you know? So I don't know. This is just an idea. Just a thought. I am picking up what you're putting down, buddy. Um, when I was, you know, when I was teeing up this scene, I had, you know, you in my head thinking about it just now. And I'm like, yeah, there's, I didn't, I did not put it together on either of the viewings that I watched, but I feel like you're right. I feel like there is some connection to Wade. We just don't know what it is because like the, the act, like the characters were as in the dark about the car's motivation as, as the characters are. And I love that. I think that's fucking cool. So Wade creeps up on the car, you know, because the car pops its door open. So Wade creeps up on it and sees this. I always thought this was cool as shit. There are no door handles on the door. I always thought that was fucking cool. Yeah, I agree. So Wade, the door's kind of crack. It's guess what? It's a jar. <laughs> the door's a jar, and Wade walks up to it, and it just shoots, like opens up quickly, knocks him out, like like hits him right in the stomach, knocks him back, and he he kind of like stares at the car and sort of you know passes out, but the you know car doesn't kill him, so. But you don't know that at the time. All right, so we know Wade is alive because he wakes up in the hospital with the doctor examining him, and Lauren is there. Um, it's kind of cool because the doctor is the dad of the first girl that died, the one that got ground up by the fucking guardrail and then launched into the ravine. That's, that's, you know, the doctor they talked about before. And it's cool that there's that, that it kind of comes back full circle thing, you know? Yeah. I wrote, Oh, Dr. Polbrook. Sorry, dude. (laughs) I know. And I know. And it's like, Wade tells the doctor, he's like, I'm sorry about your daughter, you know? And he's like, so am I. I just... I love the fact that there are no deaths in this movie that don't matter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's cool. Um, as the doctor leaves, we see the, the other police officers are there. Uh, the ro- They say the roadblocks are back up. And, and by other police officers, it's pretty much um, just Ronnie Cox, uh, Luke, and Chaz, you know. Um, well, but when, when, when Chaz rolled in, I thought he was in the squad car that got taken out, by the way. That like, was the 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 other native american uh police officer that yeah. i was talking about yep yeah yeah Sorry. that but yeah no that's yeah i know it, it that guy yeah the, he didn't get as much screen time but yeah uh uh chaz chaz and, and and chaz and luke are kind of like you know the other main cops now aside from uh wade essentially yeah 
they talk about how they kind of had to get firefighters to replace the people that they lost. Um, Wade tells them what happened, you know, and everything. Uh, and, you know, and he talks about the fact that the car didn't have a scratch on it. So that's kind of like the gears are sort of turning, you know, in his head uh, about something's not quite right about that. He asks how many men they lost. Um, this this scene is fucking, again, devastating. Luke just starts rattling off everyone's names. And you can just tell, like, by the way, Lauren's like, oh, no. And then she, like, you mentioned something. She's like, oh, my God. Like, they, they knew all of these people, you know, they, they, these were all their friends, their coworkers. Yeah. This is a, a, sl- a sleepy small town, you know, 10, like, like Wade says earlier, 10 years of, of writing, you know, traffic tickets. And then all of a sudden in like two days, half of their fucking people are killed off. Like this is devastating. Is this when he utters the Thursday line? Like, I, uh, uh, yeah, I know what you're line. talking about. Yeah. It was, it was like, yeah, I think it was earlier. And he was like, you know, last Thursday, all I had to worry about was, this and that, like, yeah, I, I like that line too. But I think it was, I think it was a bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, Lauren says that he could have killed them in the cemetery, but but didn't, you know. And of course, they still refer to them as like a driver. They're not really saying that the car is alive right now. Um, but she is putting that together. Chaz asks what the driver looked like when the door, you know, popped open and hit Wade, but Wade couldn't see him. Uh, Chaz says he had to lock up Amos because Amos was like yelling bloody murder with a shotgun, upset that the cops weren't sort of doing enough because his kid got hurt at the, the parade rehearsal thing. That's where they kind of, that's why, that's why Amos is in the jail, you know, later, but he kind of says that. And I like how, uh, how, you know, Chaz is like, we had to have words, you know, I like that. I, I like that that term. Like when you fight with somebody, you you say like I had words with them. I like that. I, I feel like it's kind of old school, you know. Yeah, yeah. Chaz is he don't fuck around. I love that guy. I do too. I like that actor. One of the highlights. Yeah, he's he's awesome, and he has no uh, he has no picture in his in his IMDb. It's one of those things, you know. Probably they were doing a casting call in Utah, and uh, you know who knows. Yeah, you know. But but he's great. One off. I love Chaz yeah. in this. Uh, Wade gets a call from his daughter. Uh, Margie is is going to stay with them until Lauren comes uh, to watch them for the night. She's going to babysit overnight, so this will be her big moment to kind of you know shine with the kids. All right, like isn't that going to be great? Lauren's going to bond that. with the kids. Yeah, because you're they're setting it up like oh, she's going to be with the kids. It's all going to be good. Yeah, while Wade's going to have to go do his hero thing and take care of shit and everything, you know? Yep. Yeah, uh. it's all going to be good. It's yep. all going to be okay. All those people died, and that's really sad, but you know what, though? Like, the, the broken the broken family is going to get fixed. That's right. Absolutely, this will have a happy ending. No worries there. <laughs> Allegedly. Alert. <laughs> Wade tells uh, Chaz to, to drive her home. Uh, they leave. Luke's was kind of like outside, you know, uh, in, uh, not in the room. He was kind of out of the room, um, waiting there. And, uh, Wade tells Luke to come in and close the door behind him. Wade is pissed at Luke for not canceling the, uh, the parade practice. So it comes back to that. Luke starts sort of like kind of making excuses, you know, but Wade knows he's been drinking again and kind of is like, you know, really, is that really the case? And, Again, I thought this was so genuine on Ronnie Cox's part. He just like he loses it and he's like it's just 
it's been so much like th- this is just too much to, to take. And I just, I like how, how James Brolin, Wade's character, he, he understands. He just, he doesn't chastise him. He doesn't say that, oh, you're, you're a shitty deputy. He just like, looks like he's about to cry too. And feels bad for his fucking friend. You know, he, he, he feels his friend's pain, you know? And yes, he's, he's, he's stronger than, than, than Luke, but at the same time, he's not, he's not chastising Luke for it because he can tell Luke is already in enough pain as it is. And I like, again, it's a character interaction that I enjoy. Doesn't he say, pull your shit together? No, he doesn't. Okay. Maybe I just wrote that down. I'm like, come on, Luke, pull your shit together. <laughs> that's Zach's. That's your studio note to, uh, <laughs> to, to the director. Pull your yeah, shit like, together. Come on, God damn dude, it. fucking man up. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. cop. And yeah, you know, and and like in our, you know, our post nineties, you know, action hero world. Yeah. Pull your shit together, cop. But at the same time, it's, it's refreshing to see male characters being vulnerable. Yeah. It's refreshing seeing a, a a person who protects people be a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. kidding. I can see there's no winning this argument. (laughs) Cut to Chaz. Don't be a fucking veterinarian, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, you've got, you've got no sympathy whatsoever. <laughs> Zach, I gotta be that... I, I gotta be that voice of objection, you know. I know the the irony is you're one of like the sweetest, <laughs> nicest, most sympathetic <laughs> people I know. Guys. So when you say stuff like that about the character, I'm like, that's not. That <laughs> just takes me back. I'm like, what? Come on, Luke. <laughs> Come on. Nut up Luke. or shut up. <laughs> Nut up or shut up, bitch. <laughs> Iron Eagle. Yeah, Iron Eagle, bitch. <laughs> oh shit <laughs> alright <laughs> uh, Chaz is driving Lauren home uh, down like a sort of dark stretch of road I thought it was cool that we see the car sort of watching them from this little oh, it's so good yeah. I love that and it's a cool little shot no there's no like I don't if I remember correctly I don't think there's any like music cue or something it's just you know nope. it's just there it's quiet. like cool yeah it's quiet yep when they get to Lauren's house, Chaz asks, asks, like, how long is she going to be? She's like, oh, probably about 30 minutes. So he's like, can I go check on my family? Because I think they're right, just right down the road. You know, of course. Lauren's like, sure, of course, right? Why not, right? Come back in about 30 minutes. I'll be ready. So Chaz leaves. Uh, as Lauren is walking into her house, a strong wind. Well, I'm sorry. As Lauren is walking into her house, a paper in her hand gets blown out of her hand, and she kind of walks into the middle of the road and grabs it. And even without the wind, I like the fact that she's standing in the road and then just realizes she's like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm in his domain. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like it's a Jaws moment where it's like, oh, I'm in the water now, and this is his world. The cool thing is is that it's not – he's – the car is not limited to the road. But – as the wind starts picking up, again, this is another thing that I really liked. I This is the one thing that I really wish they would have played into more because it, I don't feel like it happened every time, the the wind preceding the car, you know, because it didn't happen when the sheriff got run over on the street, no. you know. It didn't. It didn't happen with the bikers. It only happened – the only other time it happened was with the, the racetrack. Exactly, exactly. So – 
I kind of, first off, I love wind in movies. I, I always think it's ominous, but I wish that was something that they really leaned into and I feel like is one of the few sort of inconsistencies of the movie. An otherwise fairly tight film, you know? So the wind starts picking up, so of course she starts knowing what's happening, which I like. I, I like the fact that as she's standing in the street, the wind's really gusting. I like that she's not like oblivious to it. She's not stupid. She's like, oh fuck, like I remember this, you know, from from the racetrack. Let me get inside, you know? Like I like that. I like that she wasn't stupid. Yeah, I agreed. She's she's one of the smarter characters in the movie. Yeah, and it's and her death and is braver not, ones too. And brave too. And her death is not like her fault, you know, like no one would have seen this coming. So she runs inside. She, she basically gets on the phone with Wade, but first can we establish, can we talk about the painting she has of James Brolin right there? Well, Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the sex wing she had in her house too. She has this weird, like uh, swing thing mm. hanging in her house. And I'm like, that is not a potted plant holder right that's some sort of weird attachment thing what kind of teacher is this uh yeah and then the the weird paint by numbers uh wade painting on the wall or on her easel (laughs) that she's working on yeah that she's working on a painting of wade (laughs) i mean man if he ever broke up with her she would be like she seems like a psycho chick she seems psycho to me probably and just judging by the way she played with him in the morning and she grabbed his balls the mm. way she did, you know, she's like, I learned this from one of my fourth grade students. And yeah. Like, Whoa, <laughs> goddamn, Ease up there. Monkey wrench. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know, and the way she's like playing with his facial hair too. You're like, yeah, get off me. Get off me. This yeah. Is- I'm with you, buddy. I psycho. think she's psycho. I think she's if psycho. she's going to put that much <laughs> effort into a painting of of wade you can't break up with her she's gonna kill you in your sleep she's yeah she's she's psycho chick mm. psycho chick yep we've, we've, <laughs> we've all dated them we know what the, we can smell them a mile away but no i she she uh she's got a fairly colorfully decorated home yeah yeah which was distracting in a good way because i'm like Oh, there's all these things to look at. Oh, shit. Yeah, so... What happens next? So there's a bunch of shit to look at. I'm with you. I was like, my eyes were darting around the house. I was like, oh, what what that? And then, of course, they land on the painting, and they just stay there. Because <laughs> I'm like, that's a giant painting of James Brolin. But uh, yes. she she hears the wind, and then she hears the, the horn in the background. She calls the police, or she calls Wade, I'm sorry, um, who is the police. So, yeah, I wasn't wrong there. And uh, she's like, I can hear him. You know, he's coming. I, I don't know what to do, but I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And then it's so fucking cool because the camera is... Is on her, but in behind, she's facing the camera, talking on the phone. But behind her, you can see the headlights of the car coming down the road. And as a kid, this scene is like the the one that really stood out. One I really just was like, every time I watched as a kid, I was like, holy fuck! But it's coming down the road. She's talking to Wade on the phone, and then she just like turns her head and it blasts through the fucking wall. She screams great stunt because uh, you know, she just like gets hit 
good shit. Like you, you can tell that like, you know, that she does get hit. The car just blasts through the other side of the road, drives down the street. And there's like a really fucking cool shot with no sound of just like, just of the devastation that's there. And this is gotta be the most memorable scene of the entire movie. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I, I, a little piece of me would have loved to have seen like a Fulci effect of her head just, you know, getting ripped in half from like, you know, the top part of her mouth off (laughs) like a Fulci kind of deal. That would have been pretty epic. Yeah. But man, if from, from just a, a straight up horrific stays with you for forever scene, this, this is more effective in the, like the haunting. Oh my God. I can't believe they just killed off. Lauren, the, you know, main characters, this basically the second main character of the movie. Yeah. Second build character in the film. Yeah. Essentially one of the, the main characters in the movie. And I think as a kid that also kind of freaked me out because, you know, at an early age you realize, okay, yeah, you can, filmmakers can do different things, you know? And, and it freaked me out that like main characters could die. Yeah, they didn't do that all that often. Like, you know, they would kill off the the character that wasn't as sympathetic. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Robert Shaw's character in Jaws. Like, right. Yeah, he was he was cool, but you know, he had an edge about him where you're like, okay, yeah, he died, but you know, I'm I'm okay with that. But if they would have killed off Richard Dreyfuss's character, you'd have been like, whoa, 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 he's such a nice guy. Would have been you a know? different scenario. Yeah, this was kind of shocking. This is definitely shocking. Yeah. Definitely. But in, in, you know, not only the fact that she dies, but you think that you're safe in the house, you know, but clearly she wasn't. Uh, so oh, I love that because cool. it, it's not even a double wide. It's like a legit nice house. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they just demolished it. And it goes right through it. <laughs> like, like fucking uh, hot knife through butter. So Pretty much. You know, cut to Wade, Chaz, and Luke are at the house with the corner sort of looking over the destruction. I mean, Brolin, you know, I mean, I mean, he's, he's an a actor. He is an he's a triple a actor. He's fantastic. And you can see the pain on him. You know, Chaz and Luke don't know what to do. Uh, you know, it's just, there's so much pain here and, and it's, they all do a great job, but I do like, I do like how they quickly sort of get it out of the way. Chaz is like, I'm sorry for leaving her, but I like how Wade's like, there's nothing you could have done. Like nothing would have changed it. You would have been taken out too. And uh, I I like that. You know, so just puts that at ease. You don't have to like worry about that anymore. You know. Yeah, they they have to cover that. You know. Mm-hmm. Clearly, uh, Luke. He's like, I know why it didn't go into the cemetery. He's like, the ground was hollowed. Um, he's like, this is what I believe, you know. And uh, and and he, Luke also says that that it went after Lauren because she cursed him. But I love how Luke's like, uh, or I'm sorry, I love how Wade's like, I don't believe it and I don't accept it. You know, he's just like, no. But he's, he, you know, he's 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 a police officer. I think most police officers are gonna believe in the facts. You know, they're not gonna be too superstitious about stuff. They're going to believe in, in what they, they can, you know, see and everything. But Wade tells Luke and Chaz to get everyone to the station right away at the station. All the deputies kind of show up <laughs> the remaining deputies, I guess at this point, probably about uh, seven of them, right? Cause there are about 12 of them to start with five. So of them still a lot. Still, yeah. still a, a capable amount, you know, <laughs> um, Wade tells Chaz to get Amos out of lockup. 
I love how Chaz goes back to lock up and just, you know, uses this moment to really take some liberties with Amos and just kind of grabs him by the collar, you know, brings him out to the to everybody and uh, sort of sits him down in front of everybody. And, and Wade tells Amos that they need him. And then I, Amos has this like really evil smile on his face. Yeah, he's a scumbag. Scumbag. Yeah, he is. Uh, at Wade's house. So now we're back at Wade's house. Wade goes into the garage. So, all right, I got to establish this at first. So Wade's house has a big garage with like a side room garage to next to it, right where the motorcycle is. So there's a little bit of a divider, right? Well, there's already, it's weird because I was thinking about this in the beginning of the movie when Lauren's at Wade's house. She goes out like the mm-hmm. back door of his bedroom of his like bedroom he has a back backdoor entrance to his bedroom which is weird yeah but yeah he's got like a he's got like a port for his motorcycle as well okay oh, a port like, yeah so so yeah. the so the so it's like a giant garage like huge fucking garage then next to he's it doing a, well a, 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 yeah well it's also desert so yeah i mean that on a police uh, policeman's salary he has a huge fucking house out in the middle of nowhere essentially um no doubt but yeah so so giant garage next to it like a covered port for the motorcycle and then i think that leads to then like a little area and then the house essentially all yeah. of if you haven't seen the movie I, we need to establish that for what's going to come later very shortly i should say but i like how wade goes through the garage kind of you know walk we're gonna see the same shot later but right now walks through the garage nothing's there he kind of grabs like a spark plug for his bike or something takes it back to his bike yeah kind of adjusts it you know cuts then we now we cut to a scene of the remaining cops taking dynamite out of amos's truck and putting it into a police truck they're dividing up the the dynamite there's a little scene with one of the deputies almost dropping it and amos you know oh boy your balls off you know type of thing yeah that, that whole scenario but ultimately they they're they're moving the dynamite from uh amos's truck to a police truck uh, well th- this this gives a little little bit of character development from on, on my angle for Amos, if he works with explosives and he's constantly, you know, the threat of dying is always looming around him. And he's always would, I would assume that cr- causes him to be very nervous and maybe irritable. So maybe that's what causes a piece of him being such a asshole scumbag wife beater where he's like, he's got this little, he's more on edge all the time. I like that, buddy. I like you are you you're bringing your world building a game to this this uh, episode, my man. It's uh, you know, it's one of those. Uh, this movie's a coloring book. It's like the the frames already there. You just got to fill it in with the colors you like. That's really good, dude. That's very much on point. And yeah. you're right, dude. Like, yes, yes, yes. We're not defending Amos. He's a piece of shit. He beats his wife. That is irredeemable, um, you know. But, but we all know he's a human. Like that character is is a human as well. 
there are probably there's probably things that got him to the point that he's at now, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I'm with you. That's probably one of them. The fact that you live a you have a dangerous job that you could die at any moment that leaves you constantly nervous. Probably he's probably living with constant like existential dread. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna die tomorrow. So. You're right. Doesn't excuse it, but that's actually a really, really good point, dude. Ah, I'm loving it, my man. Yeah, well, that's what I'm here for. That is what you're here for. This episode, then (laughs) the next episode, when you're breaking it down, that's what I'll be there for. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wade changes out of his police uniform, goes kind of check on his kids. Margie is asleep. Um, He kind of leaves a note, you know, kind of kiss my kids for me, you know. Cut back to the cops are in the truck with uh, Amos, and they kind of leave the station. Basically, uh, both trucks, uh, there's three, like, a couple cops in each one truck, with Amos, you know, basically everyone is in two trucks, essentially, and, and they're, they both have dynamite in them. Wade goes back to the garage to get on his bike, and this is what's so fucking cool. And he kind of, uh, uh, he thinks about something, and he goes, so he, he goes back to the port that you're talking about, the where his bike is, thinks about something, walks back into the garage, and as he walks into the garage, he walks past the car in the well, shadows that wasn't there before but wait he w- he went to his daughter he went to kiss his daughters earlier yeah you remember that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah Mar- margie yeah he gave the note to margie and everything and he also um uh he kissed his daughters and everyone's asleep um but he also took his uh dad's sheriff's badge and put it in his front pocket did you see that i did see that yeah yeah that's what made me think about the whole deal of like this link yeah potentially you know i i think there's something there maybe maybe the car is the spirit of somebody his dad put away or put down you know yeah like like the movie shocker horace pinker right or uh high plains drifter oh yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah but yeah you're right he he kisses the kids uh leaves a note for margie who's also asleep uh goes to his bike uh thinks about something goes into the garage walks past the car because why, why would you think about it? you know like why would you think that it was it. there oh god yeah. it was so cool so good and, and kind of like what i was talking about earlier with the car flipping over and killing those two cops i totally forgot about this too and i was like holy shit like when he walks past it i'm i'm the meme of leonardo dicaprio from once upon a time in in hollywood where i'm pointing at the screen you know with my beer like it's right there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i totally forgot about it but it was so cool so he he walks by he's, he's getting something you know out of his whatever his, his thing and uh uh he hears like a the floor creak and he turns around and the car's just sitting there headlights are off no noise no nothing that's what fucking makes it freaky as shit and and the look on his face he's just like he's terrified you know um he's just standing there staring at it and this is when margie kind of walks out uh sort of she's in that area she's not quite in the port for the motorcycle she's kind of stepping back there she's like hey wait hey wait you know and because you're so wrapped up in what's going on she says something about lauren so she doesn't even know that lauren is dead and i was like well, yeah oh, she, fuck. she yeah she's like oh i thought you were lauren i thought yeah. you know and and he's like get back in the house get, get back, back in the house, house. Yeah. yeah the car's here and she's like oh so she runs back inside but yeah that was dude that was i i, I love that scene i love that little interaction so because that's going to be something they'll follow up with down the road 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, Lauren's dead, Margie. <laughs> Sorry, Margie. She's dead. Um, your, your boy's alcoholic. He's back on the wagon. Yeah, every, the wagon. everyone's lives are destroyed by this car. Yeah. Um, thank you, car. Th- thank you, car. So she goes back inside. Wade kind of checks the garage door and it's locked. Now, the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, this is just like a, you know, he's got to have to break out. It's kind of a device. It wasn't until the second time that I watched, I was like, oh, it's locked from the outside. So the car is in there, just magically in there. And the fucking, the padlock is on the outside of the garage. I kind of didn't put together how supernatural that was until the second viewing. So, Wade takes a screwdriver to kind of pry open the door. He goes to the door and the car just revs up and just shoots at him, but doesn't like hit him. It kind of stops and then just sort of slowly rolls back, which is, you know, that's also uh, intimidating, you know, um, Wade doesn't sort of get the hint and tries it again. And the the car does sort of the same thing and kind of, you know, uh, gets close to him, but then kind of, you know, creeps backwards, you know, kind of like. Um, but then the car, the car starts like revving its engines, like really fucking loud. And Wade starts covering his ears. Then upstairs, you see the kids are covering their ears and, and Margie's covering their ears. Cause the, it's getting, the revving is getting louder and louder and it's honking its horns. Everything is getting louder and louder. And all of a sudden, you know, and then the, the garage is like filling up with exhaust, you know? And you know, so Wade's starting to like choke on it, but then the, the car, I think it honks its horns or does something and the windows sort of shatter and, 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 you know, so Wade's like, oh, shit, that's when it blows his horn. And that's when it happens. Um, so Wade kind of gets a plan. He's like, all right, he tries for the door, the garage door again, I think knowing that the car is going to come at him. But when it does, he kind of jumps up on the hood of the car and then fucking dives out the window into the port where his motorcycle is and gets on the motorcycle. But I love how the car the car blasts through the garage before like Wade's even out there. And then boom, Wade gets on the street with his motorcycle and the car is in hot pursuit. It's great. It's great sequence. So it's, intense. It is pretty intense, right? Cause cause yeah. Cause part of me is going through my mind is like, Oh, is he going to try and choke Wade to death? You know, cause the uh, poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when the glass breaks, I'm like, Oh, that wasn't in his intention all along. What was his intention? You know, is he angry at his son? Is this his dad Ooh. or yeah. Is it the, the guy he, the, his dad put away and died or whatever? Like what's going on here? And then, yeah, when he escapes, it's great. And he grabs a helmet in the process. <laughs> he does. He does. But dude, you're right. Wade is the only person in this entire movie that the car can kill but chooses not to. And there's never an establishment. There's never like some kind of movie establishment like that. This is not like Predator and Arnold Schwarzenegger. We don't know that the car has some kind of like respect for Wade. We just know that the car no. can kill him and doesn't. Yeah. We are in the climax of the movie, and it's going to get real fast, really quick here. I'm going to go through it, but Zach, feel free to cut me off, jump in at, at any point. If I miss anything, just let me know. Uh, wherever you see, let me know. But we probably only have about 10 minutes left in the movie. Wade is leading the car away from town. Uh, they kind of drive through town. 
which was kind of cool to see an abandoned town, except for there was one gentleman standing outside of his business. Uh, I do not think it was an actor. I think it was someone who owned that business and was just watching the cars drive down the street. But there was a guy on the right that I was like, okay, you're just you're just there watching. Well, it's an also it's also a day for night shot, so it's clearly shot during the day. And I'm like, oh, this guy, yeah. I saw that. I saw that too. Guy probably just walked out when, you know, in the afternoon to get some lunch. I got to say, when I was living in downtown LA, they were filming the inception scenes uh, when the giant locomotive drives down in the city. That was my street where I lived on. Um, it was cool because, I mean, there's a freaking locomotive right there. They, that was practical, right? Um, and there was like water and everything and, and, and above hand. But like, the interesting thing was because everyone was living on is people are living on that street and businesses and stuff like that. You know, it was a big enough production where they had PAs at every single door telling people not to leave until, you know, uh, uh, shooting was, was stopped and everything. But in between takes, that's when like, I had to go to work that day. So in between takes yeah. and stuff, they would let people out of their garages, you know, to go do their stuff. But of course, as one, I was watching one take happen as one take was going on. Of course, there was one guy on the street who was like, fuck you all. I don't give a shit about this movie. I'm going to work like literally like to every PA down the street, like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And like, you know, and of course they had to halt production and everything. You don't own me. Exactly. I'm not wearing a mask. Exactly. Exactly. And I was like, yeah, that I I imagine that these productions have to deal with things like that all the time. But, uh, but so, so when I was watching this scene, like you said, I can imagine that guy being in his, uh, you know, I'm sure the production team tells can everyone just stay inside at two o'clock, you know, today. And I'm sure he's like, fuck that noise. I'm going to go see what's going on outside. (laughs) Fuck that noise. Arby's got a special (laughs) one. I'm on my way over. I'm on my way to Arby's, but, uh, a big Montana. (laughs) Hey, I love the Big Montana, buddy. Me I too, always dude. eat That's a Big why Montana. I brought it up. <laughs> big I can Mo. Eat Arby's right now. <laughs> you know what? I wish they'd go back to calling it a Big Montana because they don't anymore. Because when I order a Big Mo, the uh, the lady taking my order never knows what I'm talking about. I'm like, no, the Big Mo. This is fucking Arby's. Called? Give me the Big Mo. What's it called now? It's just called like a large roast beef. What? Fuck yeah, that. Exactly. No, dude. Big Montana. Yeah. Fuck that. There used to be a there used to be a there used to be an Arby's on Santa Monica and Lincoln. And uh and you know, I'd go to the gym at night on Second Street in Santa Monica, go to the gym, work out really hard, then ride ride my bike down, ride my bike bike back up and hit up the Arby's on my way home for dinner. Because I'm like, I earned this shit. I earned this. You did. Arr, arr. Yeah. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> it's like I get a big pis- foot long pastrami from Subway if I sometimes and I'm like I earned this steak and cheese this pastrami. That's like foot long. That's like me at Jersey Mike's. I'll eat that monster size. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so good. But you uh, did you did call it, bro. The this climax is all day for night. And uh, guys and gals, if you don't know what that means, um, it's pretty much what it sounds like. They shoot during the daytime, and but they move the the aperture to the point where it looks dark, so it looks like nighttime. Movies do it all the fucking time. Jaws did it. You can see it. It's always like it's always when it looks like it's supposed to be nighttime, but it's just way too bright and there's like way too many reflections happening for nighttime. And you know, there's no stars out. That's day for night. Yeah, deliverance, deliverance 
as much as I love that movie, their day for night stinks because you're like, oh, this is clearly during the day, but whatever. It's all good. I don't care. If the story's good enough, you don't give a shit. You yeah. Know? yeah. I mean, at this point, dude, like we're at the end of the movie and we've only called out like a couple things that were like wonky. Everything no, else about movie. this film is pretty fucking tight. It's good. This is a good movie. It's one of our, one of our better quality films we've done. Yeah. Overall, yeah. overall, which which is funny because it clearly looking at the time and how we're, we're getting close to the end of it, <laughs> clearly the better quality films do not uh, encourage a a longer uh, podcasting after dark episode. <laughs> no, because we don't have to tear it a new asshole. Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of stuff to shit on here. So, um, all right. So, like I said, Zach, feel free to to jump in, um, but it, it will move pretty quickly through this because it's just kind of like a lot of action. So. Wade is leading the car away from from town towards the canyon, and we know that there's a trap. We just kind of don't know what it is yet. Unfortunately, Luke and Amos aren't set up for the trap yet. The car catches up to Luke and kind of runs them off the road, but Wade catches up and sort of makes the car chase after them. So the car doesn't kill Luke and all them in, in their truck, and, and but he kind of takes off after Wade, thus kind of giving credit back to what you're saying, that there's there's something about Wade that the car wants him specifically because it gave up like an easy kill to go after Wade. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they, if they, if they ran off the, the truck off the road, there was a tent, there's the tension there that it could have exploded because of all the explosives it had in it. Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't. No, they didn't. Cause, cause Luke, Ronnie Cox has to live. Um, but we, uh, we cut and see, uh, Amos, Amos and Chaz in another cop. I, I don't remember what his name is, but he's one of the other guys. Uh, they're setting up explosives. explosives. I think it's McGruber. That's McGruber. Okay. Is that McGruber? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> okay. I'll go with that. Uh, well, I'll, his, I'll call his, his name's McGruder. And I'm like, I'm going to call him McGruber. Yeah. No. McGruber. <laughs> no. McGruber. All the way, guys. Fucking love that movie so I just took a double much. decker in your, in, your to- in your bathroom. That's where I shit in the tank. <laughs> I know what a double decker is. <laughs> that fucking movie rocks, man. It's, it's so the best. fucking good. Val Kilmer's great it's the best in that movie. One. Yeah, it's the best of all the Saturday Night Live movies. But it then is. It, then again, it's it's what we love the most. It's like 80s action, 90s action with comedy. Yeah. yeah. If you guys have not seen McGruber, please. <laughs> with Will Forte. Please go go watch out with Will Forte. It's it's hilarious. Oh, God, I love that movie. <laughs> that sex scene with him and Kristen Wiig is just the best. Oh, God. Thingy. I Sorry. love I love Kristen Wiig, man. I think she's great. Oh, she's phenomenal. Okay. All right. <laughs> I just keep thinking of a grouper. There's the one gif that I love where he's just, he's so angry. I always use that for like my, my rage face. Okay. Okay. Back to the car. All right. The car chases a uh, uh, Wade um, while Amos, we get a real quick shot of Amos throwing down a rope down into the canyon. Uh, Luke and his Luke and his team arrive to help out. Wade is kind of still leading the car sort of in circles at the bottom of the canyon. It's, it's cool. I mean, I'm going to burn through this, but like it's, it's some fun stuff, you know, some, some cool stunts, but nothing, you know, no, no, like Mad Max Fury Road style type of stuff, but still fun 1977 stunts here, you know? Yeah. You get the sense that the guys are lining the, the dynamite or whatever explosives 
in this canyon to you know basically cause a, a landslide to cover what whatever's down there yeah. with rubble that's what they want and, to do yeah yeah and they throw the rope down there for wade to climb up yeah Ain't gonna happen exactly the way they planned it. <laughs> Never does, does it, baby? Um, yeah, uh, yeah we, like you said, the cops and Amos are kind of working uh, quickly to set up the explosives. Uh, Wade falls, like, kind of falls off his bike, sort of trying to go up a hill, and then he runs up to the row, the rope uh, that they that they lowered down. The car starts like ramming the canyon walls, and it, they they do an effect where it makes it seem like it's you know really rattling everything like hitting with some real force you know even threw in some effects of like you know boulders falling and the ground cracking i yeah, was like oh did effective. you do-? yeah i was like oh good good job not everything's good here you know um the car kind of realizes they can't get to wade so it kind of it, it goes around it goes back up to uh the you know around basically leaving the canyon up to the top uh the cops knowing Knowing that Wade's headed up there. Yes, knowing that Wade's going up there, and it's kind of going up there in pursuit. Uh, we see the cops are still, you know, the cops and Amos are still frantically trying to set up the detonator wire. Uh, Amos kind of, like, falls. They kind of splice the wire. There's just all kinds of, like, you know, drama to kind of draw it out. But what ultimately happens is that um, at the top, uh, Wade and Amos are, I'm sorry, they're setting everything up. Uh, uh, Luke sort of helps Wade out of the canyon, so they're sort of in the spot that they need to be. And while Amos and the cops are splicing the detonator wire together, Wade and Luke are standing at the edge of the canyon as as bait while the car is barreling down towards them. Uh, you know, Luke was like, "We gotta, you know, we gotta jump. We gotta get out of the way." Of course, Wade's like telling him, "Nope, just wait. You gotta wait. You gotta wait." And of course, they dive out of the way at the very last second. The car flies off the cliff and Amos hits the detonator and the car blows the fuck up I mean just a huge explosion all the cops Wade you know uh, everybody Luke Amos they all fall fall backwards and then as a kid I always thought that this was cool as shit but in the fire going up in the air there was like this like snake skeleton head that you can kind of just barely see you know and i was like that was that was so fucking cool man yeah very subtle yeah i love it i love it really cool this is wage uh amos should have died by the way earlier in this like when he slipped and fell and he's like, gotta splice the wire, gotta splice the wire. This would have been a perfect opportunity for him to splice the wire and then get mulled over by the, like, have one more moment of redeeming himself and then get hit by the car and run over. He should have. He should have died. And if this movie was made any more recently, like probably the 80s on, that's probably what would have happened because that yeah. seems like a trope to me. Um, but, like, that is, again, what I love about this movie, they work with Amos. The cops, like, it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They work with Amos because yeah. they have to, you know. And then even at the end when when everything, the rubble's on top of the car and, you know, uh, Luke is like, you know, did you see the the flame? You know, did you see the skull in the, in the fire and everything? And Wade's like, you know, uh, I, I like that I wrote this down. He goes, whoever he was, he isn't anymore. And I like that. And uh, and I, and they're just all standing there. And I, 
they're the only little bit of like probably character thing for Amos is he kind of gives uh, Chaz the you know like a little bit of a salute and Chaz kind of nods at him and they had the beef earlier he called Chaz a savage I think that's that was his one little bit of growth but I, what I know what you like and what you or what you want out of it but I like that they didn't do what you wanted them to do and again because this at the end of my first viewing of the movie I was like oh like no one grows there's no character arcs for people it's just a moment of their lives dealing with this horrible situation and we don't know what came before it we don't know what comes after we don't know what Wade and Amos are going to be like moving forward we don't know if Amos is even going to be a changed man moving forward but we know that Amos worked with the cops at this one moment in his life and that and that's it and then the credits uh roll with the car with a a car you only see the tire kind of driving through a city and I thought that was kind of a cool uh cool ending yeah, I like the ending. I feel like maybe it was just stock footage they had that they were working with. But uh, but I do like it. It's a good way to end it. Yeah. Potential of like, this isn't over yet, folks. Yeah. So- <laughs> I love it. So, buddy, give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts on the car. Overall, I liked it. I think it's super entertaining. It's one of those, it, it's, a, it's a good movie it's a more diverse film to watch or what it's a, it's a, it's a film that you can watch with a more diverse audience Mm. because it's not alienating in it's gore or sex. It's, it's more universally tame in that way, but the themes are still there that work for us. That's still intense. It's still dramatic. It's still got great set pieces that make you go, Oh shit. And it's, and it's, chilling it's scary it's still effectively good uh you know and well well crafted 30 40 43 years later yeah, yeah holds up for sure yeah i loved yeah. it i loved it oh dude that's awesome bro i'm i'm so happy to hear that i i love this movie as a kid but i haven't seen it since i was probably like 11 or 12 years old you know and so many people that i've already talked to online about this uh like one of my buddies craig he's like oh my god i remember seeing this as a kid and he's like i haven't seen it in so long i thought it was a dream like so many people have memories of this movie the car that they're like oh my god this exists i forgot about this movie like i feel like it was a big deal for very micro moment in history and then just kind of like christine won you know like the movie christine is what everybody thinks of when they think of a killer car movie. rightfully yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so but, but I, they're totally different movies, you know. It, Apple, and that's why I said at the beginning, like apples and oranges. When I was a kid, I always, you know, would like say I, I would like this one better. But as I'm older and having seen both of them in my adult life, they are apples and oranges. To- two totally different kind of movies, you know, and everything. But I'm with you, dude. I think this movie holds up very well. I think it's very well crafted. Uh, I think it's very accessible to probably a lot of different people, like you said, because the the gore is not extreme. So I think that yeah. a lot of people can sort of see it, but that doesn't take away from the terror of the movie. You know, I think no. this, this movie is a no. perfect example of what you can pull off without like a lot of gore. And it's, it's just suspense and, and fear, basically. Dread. But... Dread. Dread. But it's well-crafted. The characters are very, like, likable, aside from Amos, obviously. Um, But, you know, the actor does a great fucking job. Yeah. 
I highly, highly recommend it. I highly recommend the, the Shout Factory Blu-ray. Extras-wise, there aren't a lot. There's no, like, documentary on the making of. It's just a couple couple of interviews. <laughs> they interview the director. They interview uh, somebody else. Um, oh, they interview the um, the Native American uh, uh, deputy lady that, that worked the front desk. Um, Donna. Yeah, Donna. And then they interviewed the first bicyclist girl uh that was that gets killed the the meat leg <laughs> meat leg <laughs> basically um, whoever they could find yeah yeah pretty much uh pretty much but um i still recommend picking it up it wasn't expensive it wasn't even like i think it was like one of those 12 dollar blu-rays it's, it's not expensive at all so i highly recommend it if you remember this movie fondly i think you're gonna still enjoy it i think it still holds up well and uh I'm glad that we have it in our catalog now, and and it's our first PG film. <laughs> PG in 1977 is very different from PG in 2020. That's for goddamn sure. But uh, I'm glad we did it, and I can't wait to see what Zach's PG movie is that that he's gonna bring to the table. Oh, it's PG in the 80s. Right. So yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, 80s, 80s and 70s PG is so so different. And like we talked about on the the Dreamscape uh, episode, uh, you know, Temple of Doom created the PG-13 rating or created the need for it, and then Red Dawn was the first PG-13 movie, and then Dreamscape was the second. So. Um, if you haven't listened to our Dreamscape review, go check that out. And uh, if you haven't listened to $2 Late Fee, you should probably go check out that too. What, uh, Zach, can you tell me about that? <laughs> well, speaking of Red Dawn, we, we by the time this episode airs, we'll probably have our, our uh, COVID lockdown episode of Red Dawn that we recorded right when COVID hit and then it's kind of timely with everything that's going on right now politically. Um, and that's that move. That episode is coinciding with an interview we have with Darren Dalton, one of the stars of red Dawn coming up. Uh, he's also in the outsiders as well, but uh, $2 late fee is a f- retro podcast uh, that talks about movies and movie movies and soundtracks from the eighties. We take a movie and a soundtrack from that movie and kind of talk about how much we love it. It's more nostalgic than breakdown. We don't really do any of that. It's definitely not podcasting after dark. They're yeah, it's it's more of a companion free, pieces. Yeah, it's more of a free form style uh, discussion. And uh, yeah, you guys you guys lean more into the soundtracks, whereas we lean more in podcasting after dark to uh, breaking down the movie and going through it piece by piece. Yeah. Yeah, and then we interview celebrities and people, notable personalities from the who were prominent in the '80s, like Eric Roberts, for example, and Diane Franklin, Andre Gower, uh, Sean from the Monster Squad. Uh, he joined us for a rip roaring interview. Uh, really, really entertaining, actually. We've we run the gamut with our guests that, and typically the guests coincide with some movie that we've done. Uh, we've got upcoming guests with uh keith coogan from adventures in babysitting and brad fidel the music composer for terminator uh a lot of upcoming great guests and we've got a whole catalog of fun on there so check us out go to uh go to our instagram page because facebook is dead mm-hmm. uh and or two dollar give us a follow we'd appreciate that 
And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me in the netherworlds. Also, ZachSchaeferVO.com. That's my personal voiceover website. And I've got links to Pat on there and $2 late fee and cha-cha-la-la. Hey, Corey, where can we find you besides the world's greatest podcast? <laughs> the world's greatest cult movie podcast? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me every week talking to our pal Adam on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. So basically, we are halfway through season five. I mean, buddy, we've done like 75 episodes so far. Insane. <laughs> it's insane. We have, we're pretty much halfway through the series right now. So we're going to keep on keeping on and we're going to go all the way to the end and then we'll figure out what to do next. <laughs> but right now it's it's a good time. Um, but speaking of celebrity interviews, uh, we have ours dropping uh by the time you listen to this, it'll be sometime this month. And uh, Zach, who are we talking to this month? We have a very interesting interview with Tom Noonan, the actor from RoboCop 2. Corey fondly loves. Kern. Uh, and the Monster Squad. And Bogus. I love him specifically from Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the guy is so much more than just a genre actor. He's got a huge resume of stuff. Uh, crazy stories, crazy stories, and yeah. I, you know what? Very you, you know what I was thinking. He, he's like, especially in his early days, and you guys understand when you listen to the the interview. He was like a journeyman artist or a journeyman actor. No, no, not even actor because he started out more as a musician. He's like a journeyman artist. It was he's he's such a remarkable man. It's it's yeah. wild. Very like bohemian, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jack Kerouac kind of thing. You know, yeah, beats to his own drum. Uh, at times, he beat to his own drum so much in, in the interview that made us Corey and I a little uncomfortable. <laughs> We're like, is this? Is he just gonna hang up on us? I don't know. It, it was the most intense interview we've ever been on. I have never been more terrified. I have never sweat more than I did in that interview. And it's 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 not he's not bad. Like there's nothing nothing wrong. It's just like oh yeah. It was like a perfect storm of like you know when you do Zoom calls, there's like a delay and like he's already seems like the kind of person that like if you ask him a question, he was he's already gonna pause and like think about what he's gonna. He's very thoughtful. He's a very thoughtful person and so you add on like his pauses plus the pause of like zoom and like zach and are like is he hanging up like i don't even know what to say i don't even want to say anything because i don't know what he's but he he's a very nice guy don't like don't get me wrong but it was an intense interview it was very nerve-wracking yeah you'll hear that you'll hear that very soon yes yes so that'll that'll if drop you this subscribe moment. to our patreon yep that's on our patreon uh we have something uh ooh, we have a good one well good one we're working on for next month too so there you go so yeah so check out our patreon we have a few levels that you can join at um but the two main ones are the wrap up after dark level that's two dollars a month you get access to ad free versions of every episode that we produce um you also get a special show called wrap up after dark every month and then we have the five dollar tier which is interviews after dark and that includes obviously the wrap up after dark obviously it also includes the the ad free versions of each episode but 
you also get access to our entire catalog of interviews. Right now, we're pushing about, I think, 13 or 14 uh, or 15. Like, we're, we're doing a good amount. And uh, the reason it, it costs, you know, th- what it costs is because we, more specifically, Zach, has to pay out of pocket for uh, the studio space to, to interview these people with. Um, we, Our buddy Mike over at Real Voice LA helps us do all the technical aspect of it. Um, no artist should work for free, except for us, which because this is our thing. But Mike should not work for free, so we pay Mike. And, uh, yeah, it, it just uh, – so that's, that's, that's the price of it, you know. And uh, all proceeds obviously just go towards – helping keep the show on the air. And uh, we appreciate every, every single patron that we have. We appreciate you all. Thank you. And we do know that especially right now, time is fucking crazy. These days are crazy. So a free way to help out the show is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way to getting new listeners in front of the show because Apple Podcasts is still the the main, the, the biggest one, although Spotify is, is, I think, creeping up on that. But they don't do reviews. So if you could leave a five-star review and a nice little write-up, we have, I think at this point, we have 50 five-star reviews. Uh, it's pretty fucking impressive, bro. I couldn't be more impressed. Yeah, and they're all very thoughtful. So thank you yeah. for everybody that's already written one because it, yep. it means a lot. And look, I'm not going to lie. You know, uh, one of the things that gets me excited is is seeing you, you, the listeners' reactions to this stuff. So thank you for all the positive comments and and uh, and all the love that you give us because it, it it definitely keeps us motivated. It does, it does, and we can feel it. We can definitely feel it. Yeah. So until next time. <laughs> We'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.